Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for the Immortals. My name is Tom Chick, and I have with me, as usual, <laughs> Christian M- 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 Mulowski. Uh, actually, I've decided just to go by Christian, except when I don't. <laughs> you don't want to get three full names in there, Dingus? Nope, just Christian until later when I do the credits. <laughs> All right. Uh, we also have with us Kelly Wand, who uh, has an Immortals tagline for us. Uh, yeah, um, that's what I call a warm bull. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wand, I wish you had seen uh, Red Riding Hood. Oh, yeah, because it's an elephant, right? Hey, how do you know that? I read a review of it, and I went, hmm, I guess we, I just want to watch that one scene. Yeah, the best the best part of Red Riding Hood is Gary Oldman proclaiming something along the lines of, lock him in the elephant. Uh, it's a great line. I think more movies should have that line. Uh, but they don't set fire to it, like the Wicker Man. Uh, no, wasn't the elephant heated, Dingus? I don't remember. You, you watched Red Riding Hood much more closely than I. Of course it was. That's the whole point. Yeah, why would you just put someone in there without making it uncomfortable in there? Or something? <laughs> hey, yeah. how you guys doing in there? Hello. <laughs> not, that's a presidential suite for a lot of people. <laughs> they could just leave it unheated in a cold climate, and that would be uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta heat the the metal animal up to make it. But hey, that's a spoiler. We don't want to get into spoilers yet. No. Yeah. In India, staying in a real elephant's a delicacy. I read. Ah, yes, right. Uh, <laughs> but you're talking. Uh, Kelly Wand, before we get to to these spoilers for The Immortals, which uh, we have all seen it, so we will be delving into some Immortals spoiler territory. But if you haven't seen it, we have with us this week Dingus to present <laughs> in spoiler-free terms a little bit of basic information about this movie, The Immortals. Uh, Dingus, tell us about this thing. What, what's going on here? All right, well, this week we saw... Immortals. Come on. Are you serious? It's I not- think he's right. I think he's right. Oh, for Pete's sake, I thought I had it right. It's not... All right. I thought it was some very specific Immortals. I didn't know that it was a, in a generic, indeterminate sense. It's all about right. all Immortals everywhere. All no, right. it, is, it is not to be confused with the 2011 French documentary starring Vincent Francillon and John Capelos. Nerd alert. <laughs> First of all, that's a documentary, so it's not a movie. First of uh, all, and second of all, that's not how you say it in France. I'm sure you, you know you can have the same name for a movie as long for two different movies as long as the two different movies are in different languages because you say words in different languages different ways. And they have the masculine and feminine, right? So that has everything to do with what you said. All right, so uh, immortals. Dingus, tell us about it. By the way, is the Martin Scorsese thing, uh, is it Hugo or the Hugo? What? No? What? Sorry, Martin Scorsese thing. Uh, the one we'll I think see it's, next week. It's D apostrophe. It's Dugo. <laughs> Do I think whose real name is Ally McGraw? <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. That'll be all. Non sequitur number one. No, that was the third one. All right, I'll, I'll keep a tally there. So, Dingus, go ahead. Uh, what is the deal with Immortals? Not the French documentary. What's the other one? All right, this week we saw Immortals, previously known as Dawn of War and War of the Gods. What? Really? Yeah. Right. 
All right, a 2011 American 3D action adventure fantasy movie mm. by Tarsum. Mm. The movie is about the mortal Theseus, played by Henry Cavill, trying to save humanity when King Hyperion, played by Mickey Rourke, <laughs> declares war in it because the gods, played by Luke Evans, let him down. The movie was directed by Tarsum Singh Jandwar. Mm. And was written by Vlas and Charlie Parlaponides. Mm. It also that stars Frida Pinto, Stephen Dorff, mm. and John Hurt. It is rated R for sequences of strong, bloody violence and a scene of sexuality that includes a nipple in profile. Mm. <laughs> Kelly, why do you sound unimpressed? Nah, I'm very busy. I don't remember a nipple. <laughs> Uh, all right, Dingus. Uh, it, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? Was there more? No, that's all. I, I don't right. think anybody will hear that because Kelly was moving furniture. But that's Something happened. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did I screw that up? I don't know what's going on. Uh, Kelly, Wan, just save the moving until after we record. Uh, Dingus will be over to help you with the heavy furniture then. Uh, all right, so not the immortals, just immortals. We saw it. Uh, Dingus, I'm a little, I, I think I could hear a little bit in your voice. I could hear a little bit of opinion sort of creeping its way. I, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm not sure that the tone of your voice didn't betray you a little bit. I just want to throw that out there. All right. I guess we'll see. Yes, how we about, will. How about Dawn of War and War of the Gods, though? How do you feel about that? First of all, Dawn of War's already taken. It's a video game. And oh. War of the Gods, hmm... I don't think it applies to the movie. I didn't well, see I noticed it. it. I noticed that. You know how at the end of the credits you see like what has been registered as a title, and that was registered as a title at the end of the credits. And I thought, wow, where are the gods? This looks like a good name for this movie. I guess you could. I mean, they 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 don't really fight each other. Though. I mean, no. I yeah, but, but the stars don't fight each other in Star Wars. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you, you would. All right. Okay. That's a good point. All right. In that case, take I that chick. The gods. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand. Uh, I, I'm sure I speak for everyone who who sees Immortals when I say uh, I'm looking forward to this moment. Why don't you spoil for folks everything that happens in Immortals? All right. Uh, before we get to that, though, yeah. Did you see the trailer before the Immortals? Yes. For this upcoming alien apocalypse shit fest. No, I would not. The, the thing said in Russia, I will. I do not want to watch the trailer for that. Does it look awful? It's. It's just. I want to make sure I understand the premise of it. It's. A, it's. A whoa, 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 Yeah, don't do that. No, you're, you're on the wrong podcast for that. <laughs> you can talk about Underworld or uh, Breaking Wind, uh, the Twilight Breaking Wind movie, but you cannot talk about whatever you're about to talk about. Dingus, can he talk about the Avengers? Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. We, we saw the preview for that at the end of whatever movie. Because Kelly Wan, well, Kelly Wan, your work is unparalleled. And I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn to an enormous green rage monster. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been trying to work on that in Portugal with my martial arts instructor. Wait, you got your training in Portugal? <laughs> Why is it that Robert Downey Jr. gets all of these awful, awful lines at the end of trailers? Whether it's the whole, you know, get that. Because of Iron Man. Really? Is that just his, his signature trailer 
uh, role now. I'm just yeah, but take... they forgot that he either improvised the good stuff in Iron Man or it was written by guys that they no longer have writing it. Mm. They didn't make that connection, so it's just random shit. He's saying, right. um, "I think you should do it." What? Huh? What about what's his name? <laughs> no, what about? Him? No, not that one. Kelly, no. would you like to tell me where you received your training? Oh, Stan. Chechnya, Chigol. Pakistan, Greece. Ah, oh, Greece is the word. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Greece right. is also uh, uh, relevant to current events. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, I hope yeah. I hope you can tie that into the synopsis, Kelly Wand. Oh well, hope away. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of zone out when I see news is money related. I know I'm not going to understand it. So if I well, that's going to make it hard for you to watch the uh, next um, Mission Impossible movie, which is about the International Monetary Fund. <laughs> it is. You bet. Did you see that trailer? No. Once I realized it was about the IMF, I uh, I closed my eyes. <laughs> so. You closed your eyes. You and my ears. Well, yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I, I, you know, who doesn't love Brad Bird? Uh, who doesn't love little Jeremy Renner to temper his Tom Cruise? Um, who's the woman in the new Mission Impossible? Do we know? Has this uh, been announced? Is it public knowledge? It showed her, but I forget. But it's, he never has the same chick. He's married in the third one. But in the second one, he's with the cat burglar. I think it's Tarson. <laughs> Is Tarson effeminate looking? Is he like the uh, crying game guy? Tarsum is actually a pretty manly-looking fella. I don't know if really? you guys see pictures of him, because I was curious. Because he does really fashion-y, there's a lot of fabric in his movies. Uh, and he's a he's a, he's a a pretty smart... He could be a stevedore. Really? Yeah. So it's like Bukowski. Bukowski could be a stevedore. stevedore. Uh, dingus. All right. All right, so give us, Kelly Wand, an Immortals... Synopsis, uh, for lack of a better name. I don't know. Do you have a better name for, for what we're getting this week? The Immortensis. <laughs> All right. Rock and roll. I'm bummed you won't let me talk about the trailer that you won't let me talk about. But I guess I'll save it. Right. We will be seeing that movie because we love our alien invasion movies like Battle Los Angeles and Skyline. The only thing I was going to say was they're supposed to be invisible and super. Uh, yeah, come on, Kelly Wand. We don't, you know, you forget who you're. Do that with your other podcasting friends. I'm just saying 3D invisible. Okay. The Immortus. Here's the thing you saw, so none of these count as spoilers. So John Hurt's voice shows us some CG parchment maps of Skyrim, and he goes, In ancient times, that's my John Hurt, by the way. In ancient times, to be an immortal was a righteous freedom of heroism and glory. But the gods touched a mortal inappropriately, and ancient legends were inscribed on statuary for young boys to caress. I am called Old Man, and have been referred to as such since my birth. This is not my story, or a story. Now please turn on your glasses and help your child with his breathing mask, or ask your usher for assistance. Kelly Wand, your John Hurt sounds like Keanu Reeves doing Toshiro Mufune. It's supposed to be Wilfred Brimley. That's how far, that's how lame an actor I am. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, bless your heart for committing. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not a trained actor. <laughs> I'm not anything. I'm not even a trained monkey. So uh, Mickey Rourke's this road warrior homunculoid who's trying to get this magic bow called the Epiglottis Bow that can win any battle 
as long as your battle's against a stone gate and not like a bunch of dudes with swords and or guns using the same terminology. Uh, and for some reason, the gods made only one bow, and for some reason, it's hidden in a pile of rocks in a fake minotaur's graveyard. <laughs> so Mickey Rourke evilly wants to use it to release some guys with coat racks in their mouths. Uh, they're kept inside this cube called the Titans. Them, not the cube. So they'll kill the gods who let his family die of disease. <laughs> Fucking gods. All of them. They all did it. Uh, so he's kind of like his character in Iron Man 2, but with a slightly different accent. And mask. And another guy has the whip. He has the nothing. And he's evil and bitter, so he pours water on a priest's head and then sets him on fire because the water wasn't really helping his line, enlighten me, work. And uh, there's this heroic guy named Theseus who lives in a humble sea village on these cliffs, which is where his lovable... Yoda-esque tutor old man taught him to fight by hitting a tree repeatedly with a sword. And Theseus comes back from Fisherman's College and hangs out with the tree and rubs its sword-wounded bark nostalgically. And he's all, yeah, a lot of good memories of hitting you, old branchy. Like that one time old man said, rhythms, and I just kept whacking at you. Just about the same rate. Sucks to be old. Speaking of which, you may have beaten me best out of seven, but that was a pretty windy day, and the sun was in my eyes. As you can see, this time I brought some matches, bitch, and then a high wind blows, and a branch from the tree hits him in the face and knocks him over the cliff. So he gets owned again by the tree. So because of that, he winds up missing this battle where Mickey Rourke invades his village to look for the bow, but he can't find it. So he settles for killing all the NPCs and Theseus's mom after Theseus kills a bunch of guys using his spearfighting technique called slow motion. But they trick him by using a net, and they're all, Hey, boss, this guy killed AJ and Travis and 19 other dudes. What's the most agonizing way to torture him and send a message to future upstarts? And Mickey works all, Put him in the salt mines. And one of Theseus's friends is evil, and he's about to kill a guy in this lighthouse, and the guy's all, Please have mercy. Throw my head into the sea, but leave my body up here on the ledge. No! See, you have to have seen the movie to get that joke, right? Never mind. I guess you can tell. And the guy goes to Mickey Rourke and goes, Let me join you. I know where there's an unprotected village containing nothing of value. What do I win? And Mickey Rourke's all, You are now my second in command. Welcome aboard. And he has his guys smash a giant hammer into the guy's nuts. And the guy's all, Oh, I'd hate to see the demotion. Uh... Then he has them bring in a guy who knows where the bow is, and the guy's all, yep, I know where it is, but I can't tell you, because check this shit out. And he cuts out his tongue, and Mickey Rourke's all, mm, well played, but you can still write the location down for me on some papyrus. <laughs> and the guy's all, oh, yeah? And he cuts off his hands, and Mickey Rourke's all, mm, sly maneuvering. Well, you can still write out the details using your pea stream, and the guy raises his penknife and goes, oh, yeah? So, young Zeus, who looks like the guy from The Wire who got killed in 300 for not bringing a knife to a senator fight, goes to this courtyard, and he tells a hot female sculpture, look less like Mystique. So she turns blonde, and he's all, oh, something, something, bow, something. And she's all, hmm, the gods have spoken. Meanwhile, Theseus is carrying a two-by-four on his shoulders across the shimmering flats in Kalimdor. And he and the other slaves take all this wood to the white gazebo in the desert, where Mickey Rourke keeps his captured oracles and their less hot body doubles. And Theseus sets his wood down and sighs at his manacles. And he's all, wait, this is a salt mine? 
and one of the oracles trips over his foot and sees a dead zone vision of him embracing, in quotes, Mickey Rourke and pushing a baby in a baby carriage together in the park. And she's like, the gods have touched you. And he's all, uh, so they wanted salt? And she's all, the meaning of my visions is never clear. Usually things mean the opposite of what they sound like. It's dumb. It's a curse. Anyway, <laughs> stand fast. That is all I can tell you. And he's all, hmm, stand fast. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And uh, Feces's friend Rapscallion is also there. And he's like the rakish rogue. And he's all, hey, how about those oracles, huh? <laughs> Wouldn't mind more about those uh, riddles, you know what I mean? End of the oracle, he's all, hey, honey, I'm a thief, or in some rule sets, a rogue. And if you're not careful and your pocketbook's a little light this week, uh, I just might steal your heart. Also, are those space robes? Because I think you're out of this world. <laughs> and the oracle whispers to Theseus, hey, I had another CG vision. The gods told me to tell you, stay alive. That is all. And he's all, hmm, stand fast, stay alive. You're really attuned to, oh, did you just fart? And she smiles knowingly and goes, a warrior who reads minds. And he's all, well, you don't seem that gifted in Oracle knowledge-wise, but technically I'm 0 for 1 war-wise so far, so maybe we are soulmates. <laughs> so that night, the Oracle and her three friends trick the guards by singing in a square with their chains and doing the wave with the chains on their arms. <laughs> and also having weapons somehow hidden in their wimples. And the hot oracle gets away with Theseus by sinking into a tar pit, although most of it washes off and doesn't fuck up her mascara much. And she shows him her boobs and us her ass, and they have awesome R-rated sex off-screen. And he's all, uh, so you don't lose your powers now that you're not a virgin? And she's all, who said I was a virgin? Look at these and this. And he's all, yeah, all, yeah, and what powers? And she's all, oh, yeah, speaking of which, you need to bury your mom. I've foreseen it's a major plot point. And he's all, uh, hmm. Well, I might have to fight off some jackals and wolves eating her corpse where Mickey Rourke left it on that nostalgia-inducing sea cliff where I grew up. Can't we just have sex again? I'll do it tomorrow, fifth thing. Uh, meanwhile, all the body doubles have been captured. And Mickey Rourke's all, okay, which of you is not a body double? And they're all, we all are. And he's all, ugh, look. You guys don't even look alike. Why would you all be together at the same time? Wouldn't you want decoys at different places? And he summons his lackey and goes, wasn't there a hot one who our guys actually witnessed making a bunch of prophecies? And the guy's all, yeah, we let her go. And he's all, why? And the guy's all, well, she prophesied we would. She's really good. And Mickey Rourke's all, here I am in the immortals. <laughs> Meanwhile, much as that would be an awesome note to end on, Theseus is dragging his mom's body down in this mausoleum with water in it and mazes and giant bandaged heads. And he's a will. Mom always wanted to be buried in a minotaur's labyrinth with a giant bandaged head in the water. Hope she didn't mean the other one across town. And then a chicken wire minotaur attacks him, but he kills it and also finds the bow buried in some rocks. <laughs> I said it like that. Uh, and he brings it back to the girl and goes, dude, check this shit. Twang shakalaka. And she's all, yay, all has come to pass in accordance with my drug trip hallucinations. Now that you've slain the Pegasus and freed the Medusa, we can save Sparta from the Kraken. And he's all, wait, I think you're thinking of Perseus. And she's all, oh, uh, wait, which one are you again? He's all, uh, I'm Theseus with an F. 
I uh, wander around in a maze, fight a minotaur, a chicken wire one, not a real one, to the city! So they go to the city, and he's all, Mickey Rourke's army's coming, and the king's all, silent stable boy. He's not the John Hurt character, by the way, it's a different accent. Once this slayer of many cities sees how defenseless and rich we are, he will surely negotiate. Bugler, unroll the red carpet at once. So Mickey Rourke's army gets there and waves some poisoned sumac around, and the king's all, see, stable boy, a branch of olives, the vegetable for which no man would war over. Open the gates. And a dude goes, sire, the road warrior homunculus wishes to speak with Theseus. So Theseus goes out, and he's all, yeah? And Mickey Rourke pulls off his mask and goes, it is I, mom slayer, and salt mine assigner. <laughs> and Theseus is all, I say cowarder. What's the point of this conversation? And they both shrug, and Theseus goes back and tells them to seal the gate, and nobody does it, so he has to do it. Meanwhile, Zeus makes a fire whip that's so hot, it knocks a dude through 18 feet of rock in a giant dude shape. And he comes to Theseus in a dream and goes, I have faith in you, Theseus. Stand fast. Stay alive. Prove me right. So everybody fights and dies, except Theseus, who is turned into golden CG just after he kills Mickey Rourke. And all the coat hanger guys kill the conquistadors. And John Hurt goes, And that's how your father sacrificed his life, just like the statue says. And you're his son. And the kid he's talking to is all, Wait, why are we talking in English, but the oracles sometimes have subtitles? And John Hurt's all, because the battle against evil never ends. And the kid's all, well, why bother then? And John Hurt smiles and goes, sequel. And he throws a smoke bomb and tiptoes off, but there's a cliff there. And the kid's mom's all, who are you talking to? I'm an oracle, so I should know, but something. And the kid's all, <laughs> just an old man. And John Hurt smiles wisely at the bottom of the cliff just before the kid's first pee drop speckle his forehead. And there's a bunch of guys fighting in the sky for no reason, but the peeing kid can only see the plinth showing a triptych of his dad climbing out of a tar pit. And he's all, sure wish 2D statuary was R-rated. <sighs> the end. Of the wow. analysis. Ah? The F. Mm. All right, Kelly Wand. I might have missed some stuff. Like a uh, TH? A TH. Oh, for Theseus. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a movie starring Tom Hardy where he plays a character named Theo. It's kind of like Theseus, who fights a Minotaur. Uh, see what they did there? Yeah, the movie is called Minotaur, just in case. Isn't, that, isn't the Minotaur thing also Ariadne? But then they couldn't put her in because then people go, hey, it's Inception. Isn't ah, she, good point. Right, right. Like, she, oh. yeah. like, that's some brilliant thing. Like, that's what, uh, I, I know. I'll leave a string behind me. Like, he's the first guy to have thought of that. Well, back then, you know, they had just only recently invented string. String, right. So they were figuring out, you know, what. They had mazes for, deck for mil millennia, but string was this new. Right, exactly. Uh, They'd never seen hair or fur before and gone, hey, if we just. Okay. So, uh, Kelly Wand, how many Tarsem Singh jo Dingus? How did you say that last name? I said it John Dwar. Wow, that's good, Dingus. Uh, Kelly Wand, how many John Dwar, uh, Tarsem Singh John Dwar movies have you seen? I didn't see The Fall, which is supposed to be the really good one. What? I've only seen The Cell. God. It was planned too far away. I don't want to drive. Really? How far is your VCR from you? 
VCR dingus? Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. Whatever yeah, they call them. What are we in, Mr. Distance? Uh-huh. Take that. Uh, but Dingus' point is well taken, Kelly Wand. Uh, the fall it remains his best one. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about why the fall works in ways that perhaps Immortals does not work. Although first, I, uh, how does this measure up to, say, Clash of the Titans? Better looking. Hmm. Dingus, just, do you concur? Oh, go ahead, Kelly Wand. But just as shittily written. Mm-hmm. Dingus, you, you concur? No. I disagree. I think it looks worse than Clash of the Titans. You bet. Now. Here's why. why? Here's why. Everything in uh, Immortals looked like it was shot on a chintzy set with a bunch of CG stuff in the background. At least Clash of the Titans had, like, and maybe I'm misremembering it, but at least it had more of a sense of, like, location and scale and... Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to defend Clash of the Titans at all, but I didn't think this looked that good. I mean, it had an occasional painterly vision, which I think Tarsem brings to it. But just as far as the production values, I thought this looked kind of cheap for, uh, for a lot of the time. But there's a sense of composition and colors and scale and geometry. And Clash of the Titans is dark and scorpions and bullshit and... It's got less of a. It's got more of what you're talking about than this. I would say. Well, I would say Clash of the Titans had more of a, a contemporary cinematic, uh, like blockbuster vibe to it. Uh, and if if I'm going to sit through a crappy movie, I would rather it have that than composition and scale and geometry and stuff you're talking about. Maybe. Maybe I'm just superficial that way. I think it's irrelevant. I think what's wrong with this movie is wrong with both of them and it's why neither of them are really good but if I had to sit through one or the other I would probably pick this over Clash of the Titans or 300 Dingus which which would you rather sit through Dingus this or Clash of the Titans or Jack and Jill The Immortals aha he called it The Immortals oops my mistake Uh, this is pretty exciting because I'm going to be exactly opposite Tom Wait, you agreed with him before. No, I didn't. <laughs> Actually, he did. He's changing his mind. Go ahead, Dingus, go ahead. How did I agree with you? You would rather watch this than Clash of the Titans. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, no, but Tom, but Tom said the thing that you guys are agreeing on is that it didn't look good, I thought. Right. No, 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 that's not what I said. I said, uh, I think what he was asking was, did it look better than Clash of the Titans, didn't you? And you said no. Right. We can run back the tape. No, no. I think what I was what I was agreeing to was something that I don't understand. Hold on. Wait, which one is Libya? I can't remember. <laughs> That's what uh, Bush said. All right, so thing is, how did Immortals look to you? I thought it looked awesome, and I loved it. Okay. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> Good. Tom. Tom doesn't know what thing good-looking Greek movies look like. Uh, I know what I know what sure. Tarsem movies look like. Uh, and and so here's another thing: is the fall. Uh, is kind of notable for not having any CG. Everything that that Tarsim did in the fall was with with practical effects. Uh, this, I, that definitely was not the case. This thing was full of CG, and in a way, it felt like it cheated a lot. Uh, stuff that happens in the fall has this great magical sense in that you're actually looking at something that's real. Uh, there were a few uh, shots. I think it's called. Uh, Oh, what is it? Were you uh, composite shots? There are a few composite shots in the fall, but otherwise there's no CG and everything is practical, uh, and that gives it a lot more punch than I think Immortals had, which I got the sense I was watching smallish sets with lots of CG, and I was mostly unimpressed with this. Uh, Dingus, it did the look did work for you. 
Yes, absolutely it did. Well, I can't believe that you think Clash of the Titans ha- has more like visual depth to it than the Immortals. It's uh, really weird to me. <laughs> well, here's the thing: the Immortals, I think, uh, has is taking itself more seriously. Like uh, Clash yeah. of the Titans is unabashedly like Michael Bay crap. Uh, I think that Tarsum is probably really <laughs> proud of the Immortals and thinks that it looks awesome, and I disagree with him. Um, <laughs> well, well, what's funny is that that Tarsum um, thinks of CG as taking the easy way out or or as uh, cheating, and I think you might have just said that. But I I, I just list, I just watched uh, both the Fall and the Cell this week and listened to uh, the Cell commentary track and hearing him talk about how he does uh, effects, it sounds like um, he really, at that point in his career, uh, doesn't like the idea of CG at all. Um, But he also doesn't like the idea of scenes appearing as if they're in two dimensions. And he talks about that a couple of times when talking about the cell. So I think that Immortals provides for him a chance to try out one and expand on the other. So, Dingus, you approve of the 3D? Um, I have sort of a uh, as much it, as you can. I have a, I have a difficult opinion as far as the 3D of this particular movie is concerned. Um, I, I I don't know if we want to get into 3D at this point. Did you see it in 3D, Tom? Unfortunately, yes. I, I like that. I agree with Dingus. 3D. Okay. Compared to Clash of the Titans, too, maybe maybe I had Clash of the Titans too much on my brain when I was watching it because I kept constantly oh, thinking com- this is so much better than Clash of the Titans. Well, so compared to Clash of the Titans, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's why it surprised me what you were saying, Tom. Because yeah. compared to Clash of the Titans, this film blows Clash of the Titans out of the water. I mean, remember you were doing Flight of the Bumblebee constantly when we were talking about Clash of the Titans. It looked like total crap. Oh, but only um, no, I, I don't think it blows out of the water. Yeah, I. I well, okay, visually I will take that, but I think that this movie was every bit as incomprehensible and ridiculous as Clash of the Titans. When that's script too. Yeah. Right, right. But that's why why I think Clash of the Titans deserves yakety sacks or whatever. I don't uh, when when you're talking about it, uh, I think Immortals deserves it just as much. I think you know, for a guy who's always like, oh fuck the source material, you go you watch. You watch stuff like Immortals and go, well, it's not the fall. Fuck this movie. <laughs> well, that's not source material, though. That's the creative vision behind oh, it. I know. I mean, that's why it, it's still know. baggage. It's baggage that it's you're It's absolutely baggage, but I think you should bring it. I mean, I was excited about Immortals because of I, – I actually thought it was going to be about Persians. You know, the Persian elite soldiers historically are called Immortals. So I right. went into the movie thinking it was going to be about the Persian history or something and was a little taken aback that, that no such thing happened. It's not so, even about Immortals. Really? Well, they are, well, immortals but, can't come close to the fall when it comes to storytelling. I mean, let's be honest. And and, and I'm really I'm sort of disappointed that you didn't see the fall, Kelly, because the fall is just a triumph of of storytelling, and it's about storytelling, and that's what's so exciting about watching it, and why I was so excited to see Immortals. And and uh, it, it, Tom is right; it it is is nonsense when it comes to looking at the level of the fall. Um, but I think it's 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 just it's eons beyond Clash of the Titans. Here's what, here's what I will grant you for the whole Clash of the Titans thing: if you were to take a still shot, pretty much any still shot from Immortals, and compare it to any still shot from Clash of the Titans, Immortals would clearly win out. However, if you were to go in 
and want to enjoy watching a stupid movie, like a bad spectacle, I think uh, the badness of Clash of the Titans, for me personally, I enjoyed more than the badness of the Immortals. Because Immortals, I, I thought, you know, here's here's some cool visual stuff that he's trying to do, and it just completely falls apart because it's unsupported. You go to Clash of the Titans, and the cool visual stuff is, you can tell, just something that some CG studio threw together, and it doesn't need to be supported because, I, because it's, 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 it's ridiculous in the first place. It doesn't take itself seriously in a way. I think, like, Clash of the Titans is trashed through and through, but I get the sense watching Immortals that Somebody is really taking this seriously and thinks that it is better than it is. And I kind of wince as I see how bad Immortals turns out, whereas I kind of giggle and enjoy a little schadenfreude when I see how bad Clash of the Titans turns out. Um, but Clash was boring, if I remember right. And I, I wasn't bored during Immortals. Okay, really. okay, yeah. Like, I was excited to see what the next shot would be, and I could tell early on that, okay, the script's never going to be better. <laughs> These, I'm never going to hear a good line of dialogue in this movie, so it's off the table, and I'll just zone out and enjoy right. what I'm looking at. Which is a lame way to watch a movie. It's it's sad, but now I want to see The Fall. Now Dingus has got me all fired up. I'll watch it tomorrow. I want to see on the big screen. It seems like a, a necessary... I don't know about the big screen, but certainly Blu-ray. Like I, I think it's something that... that uh you know deserves as much quality as you can get in terms of watching it a big spring a big screen uh look at the fall would be great but i think as long as you've got it like on blu-ray or something you're good um but let's but also, think go ahead yep i was gonna say sam worthington to me is really boring to watch there's something about let's table the cast it, conversation okay, I definitely right, wanna, okay. there's some, some good stuff about cast but but dingus so when you were saying you liked it do you just mean the visuals or the movie overall the immortals or immortals uh i really liked it overall i know that there's a lot of problems with it it does not rise to the level of the fall or uh, i guess it's just called fall um <laughs> don't lie that's not true <laughs> you're right um but i really really liked it a lot and uh, and uh, I don't. I, I'm surprised because I, as I said, I had just watched The Fall this week again, and I, you know, the thing is, I, I don't think I could ever get tired of watching The Fall. I, I honestly don't think I'll ever get tired of watching that movie. It is just, uh, it's just a heartbreakingly beautiful movie on so many levels. So Immortals should disappoint me, but um, I was really taken with it, and I think that makes me a little dumb, but, you know, I'm the one who also liked Avatar, so what am I going to say? Because you know what? Hold on. There's some problem on your end. Let me put you on hold real quick. Kelly Wan, do you think he's pranking us? No. Really? You think he really liked it? He can't sustain a prank this long. I think you're right. But, like, he's, he's like... like... But he, he's coming off Tower Heist. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. He has a better taste of right. his mouth. All right, let me get him back. He's seen a lot of poop, yeah. Okay, so okay, we fixed your line, Dingus. All right, so come on back. Oh, thanks, here. thanks, guys. Oh yeah, it's much better now. Uh, all right, so uh, so Dingus, you are going to be our. Oh, Kelly Wand, would you would you concur with Dingus or are you with me? I, I thought Immortals was pretty ridiculous, inconsequential, uh, a huge disappointment for me. I didn't like it at all. Do you fall in the Tom camp or more in the Dingus camp? Like if 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 this was Platoon and you were Charlie Sheen and I was Tom Berenger and he was uh, Willem Dafoe, which one of us? Would you want to be in his squad? See, you're stacking that deck because I you know the <laughs> Berenger guy will shoot me, uh, even if I. What uh, if I was Tom Berenger and I said, "I promise, Charlie Sheen, I won't shoot you. Come, come right. to my camp." Um, it's stony looking, which 
I think Dingus, Dingus, I think is just a naturally high dude, and I think you're more of a recovering alcoholic. You're like uh, <laughs> Russell Brand and Arthur. Like you're playing a drunk, but you can't play it correctly because it'll it'll bring back too many memories. And Dingus is more like Mike Myers in The Guru. Yeah. Okay. And like Eddie Murphy in the other one. <laughs> That's not The Guru. So you're going to go to Dingus's camp on the Immortals, like uh, the Immortals. It's so bad. The script's it's the worst script I've ever seen put into production for a movie. I would probably tell people to see. Wow, that's a lot of hyphens. Yeah. Well, I like it. Yeah, see, maybe I'm coming off Tower Heist too, because it's I like if, Tower Heist kind of made me never want want to see another movie again. Like it made me just. Remember when Guy Pierce retired from acting after the Time Machine? <laughs> it didn't. That didn't yeah. seem to take. Liam, uh, ne- yeah, Liam Neeson after Phantom Menace too. He's like, oh, yeah. like being uh, around Lucas, like de- like depressed him. Like I can't act anymore. It's just too, too depressing. Right. I'm glad those didn't take. So, but this this didn't make you want to retire. Tower Heist made you want to retire from watching movies. This didn't reach that level. So therefore, you're going to throw your lot in with Dingus. I want to watch The Fall, and then I won't like it anymore. I'll, right. I'll completely come around to your... Well, let me tell you, so Dingus, is, uh, Dingus also, I think, maybe likes The Fall a little bit b- better than me. The Fall has something, uh, it has a lot of Tarsim's visual, uh, sort of, like, like the composition, and his visual craft is clearly in evidence in The Fall. And because of the lack of CG, I think it's something special and unique, and it holds up. Uh, the storytelling in The Fall... Uh, is a little is a weird issue, but I think what the fall has, and there's nothing like this in Immortals, is the honesty of the interaction between an actor named Lee Pace and a little girl who's not really an actor. She's just this little Bulgarian girl that they found named uh, Katinka Untara. And I think the interaction between those two characters is, I would say, easily 50%, if not more, of what makes the fall work. And there is no counterpart whatsoever to that in Immortals. So in Immortals, you're just left with Tarsem's visual craft, I I think. Uh, So in a way, I almost think it's unfair to compare them because there is this definite lightning in a bottle quality uh, in terms of what Lee Pace and Katika and Tara bring to the fall. Um, that said, well, uh, that's it. The other extreme is right. I shouldn't be comparing it to, Cl- to Clash of the Titans because that's like one of my least favorite. Well, here you go. Then I want you guys to, because that said, uh, I look at, even though it's got Tarsim's visual craft, I, I really do feel that Immortals is on par with things like Conan the Barbarian and Clash of the Titans in terms of, of, just sloppy. Sort of sloppy and forgettable and kind of absurd, and I just felt like Apathy. it didn't, didn't work. Uh, so, that said, I need you guys to defend it some. So, tell me what you liked about it, what made it work for you, in spite of maybe some of the issues you might have had with it. It was really gory in a fun way. Yes. Um, I like the gore. I like you, you were a fan of your R-rated movies. Even though you missed the nipple, uh, You. it seems like you did appreciate the R-rating. Yeah, and they used he used it with the kind of with sort of an abandon like you he you linger on the arterial spray. There's a lot of slit throats in this movie. <laughs> uh, before, well, you know what? Let's get into that real quick. And Dingus, I I, I know you're champing at the bit. I want to hear from this in a second, but I want to talk about what Kelly Wan just mentioned. That stuff with the gore and specifically that weird god bullet time stuff. I could have watched 90 minutes of that easily. That was my favorite part of the movie. And I think part of it is I look at those scenes 
uh, or whenever the gods come down and they move in God's speed uh, and they're, they're splattering heads. And even that battle with the Titans, which was like a zombie thing from Dead Rising, yeah. I look at that stuff and I see – and maybe this is me reading too much into it, but what I see there in a way is the contribution that video games can make to movies. Because that looks to me like the kind of fighting that you have, like recently in uh, there's there's a Batman-themed game, and it has this very sort of you are moving, you're, you're super, you are so super attuned that everybody moves in slow motion. So when you punch them, you can very sort of see, see languidly admire the effect of your impact. Um, and I love how that was captured. You didn't used to be able to do that with cinema. That's something that video games could do. And I love how that was captured in those action scenes. And I loved how R-rated it was, you know, it, uh, like, like a Dead Rising game. Uh, I love that because it reminded me of stuff that I know from video games. You know, the fighting scenes from God of War, for, for instance, uh, the, the, those, those uh, Devil May Cry games. It's a great game named Bayonetta. Uh, where it just it admires in slow motion the havoc and the violence that the hero can wreak. And I, I could have watched that stuff for the, the entire run of the movie and wouldn't have gotten bored of it. And also his, his weapon of choice is a spear, and the way he uses it... Like, I'm always fascinated when someone's physique affects how they fight. Like, Uma Thurman's really skinny in Kill Bill, so that like it, that's how she gets to duck under all the samurai blades. Like, it, <laughs> like that's, her, that's her way in, and like... You know, well, now if, I'm not mistaken, yeah. <laughs> now, if I'm not mistaken, though, Kelly Wand, I don't think uh, Theseus or Henry Cavill, whatever his name is, with the spear, I don't think he ever got any of that slow motion stuff, did he? Just that one time in the village before the mom. Ah, oh, right, right. The I'm so mad scene, right. It's, yeah, it's, it's like this long, slow profile. But I remember in 300 being annoyed when there's a shot like that, because I'm like, wait, they're supposed to be defending this thing with shields, not like jumping forward in single file. Like, that's how they're going to die. It's like it totally like the basic concept of what's going on is 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 fucked visual. Like I can't, it's no, that can't be happening. But in this, at least, it's like okay, yeah, he's, he's cutting a swath through these dudes, right? And he kills them all. And he's and there's something sort of efficient and last the Mohicansy about the way he. Oh, uh, don't you dare! Don't you dare! Oh, uh, that's that's the way to try to suck me in. I'm not going to fall for it. No, I love Last of the Mohicans. I love you using Last of the Mohicans as a as an adjective. Uh, well put. But it's not going to win me over. Don't think you're going to win me over. I, I got to get this, and then I got to get the musket reloaded with this so I can get to that guy, like the video game thing you're talking so, about. No, 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 no. I only like the god fighting. Henry Cavill doing his 300 Last of the Mohicans stuff I couldn't have cared less about. But the god fighting, I didn't know who was which god. But whenever they would go into slow motion, uh, I loved that part. Uh, I wish go ahead. Go ahead. Was, that would have been cool, right? Like, yeah, like I were we supposed to know from the spiky helmet who that was, for instance? I, who was it? Spiky helmet god? I don't know. <laughs> it was Ares, god of war. Why isn't he redder? And why doesn't he have a name tag? Or why something? isn't, why isn't, why isn't somebody, he redder? Why isn't he redder? <laughs> redder? Why doesn't someone at, <laughs> well, at least call him by name so those of us? In yeah, the just theater. once. Yeah, like hey, or, hey Aries, get over here. He's easy how, with the. Uh, see, see how I just wrote that line of dialogue. That yeah. is. I, I only broke the law because I was defending a mortal. <laughs> Dingus, before we talk more about other things you liked, uh, wh- how did you feel about? Because uh, you're always the one who's squeamish about violence, uh, and also Dingus, I think you fancy yourself something of a titan. You have, in certain circles, claimed to have defeated Zeus. I'm not sure I buy that. What? Dingus, yeah, Dingus, go ahead. Go on. Let me hear the end of the sentence before I... Dingus. Dingus has defeated Zeus, yes. Ask Zeus, he'll tell you. You should see the other guy. (laughs) 
Uh, Dingus, <laughs> true or false? I want you to tell tell us right now, true or false? You have defeated Zeus in one to one combat. That's true. Oh, in Shadow of the Colossus or some shit. Zeus is not in Shadow of the Colossus, Kelly Wand. Go ahead, Dingus, spill. Lord of the Rings give us, online. Give us your bona fides. What are your credentials in terms of of Zeus slaying? Fight to know about fighting Greek gods. God of War two. I beat that game's ass. See. So, so Dingus, as an authority, how did you feel about the violence and the combat in uh, Immortals? You know, I think that's one of the best things about the movie. And that's one of the things that excited me most in watching it, is that Tarsum has a way of shooting. So he's not afraid to uh, to show fighting. You know, so much of the, the crap we've seen lately from that stupid Robin Hood movie to uh-huh. Season of the Witch to Clash of the Titans to um, don't forget Conan know, the Barbarian to Conan oh, yeah and and talking about Conan and Jason Momoa good lord how dare you even bring that movie up when talking about how Henry Cavill is in this because he is light years ahead of J- that lunk of meat Jason Momoa and what Conan does but anyway as far as showing fighting and remember the way that ridiculous villager kid fight wins uh, Tarsum doesn't have to cut around any of the fighting because he's got actors, and and you and we'll get get around to talking about actors and and what they bring and what they don't bring to this. But what they do bring is that these guys can fight, and you can have long, slow shots of them fighting, and you don't have to fuck around and cut around and do quick cuts and pretend nobody can fight because these guys can all fight, and he can shoot long, slow shots of them fighting, and it works. And that's one of the things I love about this movie. And, and one of the things you're talking about, Tom, that whole, you know, that the God fighting at Godspeed is one of the best things. And why, again, this is something I don't want to get too much into right now, why the 3D is so great in this movie, because I saw that scene both ways. Um, the, the 3D works for that so well and works so well for all of the fighting. I'm just freaking knocked out by the fighting in this movie. Good. All right. Well, we all agree there. Let's get. There's a lot of it too. Like it doesn't. It's not skimpy. On the even fight. that. Even that burst of I'm angry moment with uh, with Henry Cavill with with Theseus early on, where he does the the whole born supreme born identity kind of like. <laughs> well put. Very well put. Boom, bam, bam, boom, 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 and then he takes the guy hostage. I mean, you see all of that. It's not like quick cuts and we're not who's fighting who. We know exactly who's fighting who at every moment, and that is. I am so happy to watch a Tarsum movie like that because other directors are just afraid to show it. All right, well, gentlemen, I'm afraid from here on out, I will not be able to seed anything that uh, about uh, that, that's spoken uh, kindly about this movie. I think we've reached the limits of where I can agree <laughs> with you that the movie did not suck uh, horribly, uh, but I'm glad that we at least agree on that point. Um, so let's get to other things. Dingus, beyond the fighting, Beyond being a movie about fighting that you liked better than the, the other crap we've seen this year, uh, what made this work for you that you liked it so much? I can't wait to hear this because I was sure that we were going to all just goof on how awful the movie was. Why am I wrong, Dingus? Uh, I hope I'm not disappointing you in that in that account. Um, but I I liked uh, I liked the way the movie had payoffs. Uh, that rhythm thing paid off, and I liked it. Um, okay, the, wait. Now explain to me what. How did that pay off? Because because he he knew how to teach the men how to beat their shields or what? Well, no, oh just, God, that thing! I love. I that. forgot. I forgot to put that in the synopsis. 
<laughs> Dingus loved that though. Okay, so go ahead. is that is that what was the payoff for the rhythm thing? Because I, uh, I don't know. I forgot about that. Well, there, there's sort of an extra moment here, and there there were a couple things where I would see I would sit there and go, "Why are you showing me this?" Mm-hmm. And one of those is this is this goofy scene where Theseus is talking to old man while he's while he's mindlessly chopping driftwood, and he, he's it looks like this scene where directors just said, "Hey, actor." Uh, get an activity going, and because I, I have a really cool shot here, and just do your activity. Mm-hmm. And so Theseus is just chopping this piece of driftwood, and uh, and old man is telling him, "Hey, you're doing a good job at chopping that dri- driftwood." But this is clearly um, paid off by looking at that the the kid chopping at the tree rhythm scene because that's part of his training, and it's always been part of his training. He's not really chopping wood for use. He's just chopping this piece of driftwood, and the shot of the driftwood shows it has notches all along it. This is like a workout, and this is like that moment after a workout where the guy's, like, cooling down on a, on a treadmill or something, and he's talking to his buddy. Um, and, and so then you see this with the, the tree and the rhythm, Theseus, rhythm, and, and then he's doing that rhythm thing as a kid in that flashback. And then that scene with the soldiers smacking their shields in rhythm. I just loved that. I loved that payoff. And I think there's, there's a a few of those that happen throughout the film. And I really like that. He conveyed that he conveyed rhythm to them. Kelly wand. I hated that scene because what he was saying was supposed to be all rabble rousy and nothing about tactics. It was all like, "All right, you're gonna let's get him because of this and that." Tell you what, it's a it's a historical it's a historical fact that that those troops were among the easiest, most easily rallied troops in all of history. It didn't take much to get them going, as you saw right there. And that's why they won. Although they won by just running around randomly into that fucking tunnel, and then it's going on. Dude, I forgot that battle was still going and then like you cut to the cube room and there's like 20 minutes of shit in there and god's fighting and then you go okay meanwhile back in the bridge like wait that there's people still left alive in this 10 million on 50 fight yeah the the choice to do to to have that battle in a tunnel in that confined space is horrible as far as battle tactics are concerned um you know let's all run into the tunnel and and die (laughs) but but as far as containment for shooting something, instead of us all being out on a battlefield, which we've seen a thousand times in like Season of the Witch opening scenes, uh, having them all contained in that, in that tiny little area where the floor starts to get slick with blood and you see that, I thought that was a great idea. I and loved see, that visually. And that dingus, to me, is one thing where I thought, you know, this now has a, the cheap set of something, sh- the cheap feel of something shot on a set. Uh, like where for you it kind of worked for me I just saw sort of the limitation. Um, but a set's better than CG to me at this point. When I when, when I see the CG I get bored like oh that's the fucking CG that like that's the cheap stuff. Like, they look a real blood. Fair enough, fair enough. But I, either way, like I, I would rather see uh, I don't know. You know what? If they had shot that stuff in Godspeed, maybe I would have liked it better. Um, but I appreciate I appreciate what Dingus is saying. But whereas he saw that as an asset, I sort of saw it as a, as a liability. Um, Dingus and I are like the yin and yang of immortals. You're the, you're definitely the yin um, and the catcher. But also uh, another line that I'd forgotten to mention in the synopsis is when a guy tells Mickey Rourke. The gate was meant to be. It was built to be impenetrable. <laughs> what? What gate has ever been? Wasn't meant to be. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I love that line. Have you ever known of, of a gate designed to be anything but? I love that. How can you not love that line? Because he because talk about giving actors business to do during a scene. I can imagine Mickey Rourke to Tarsem, hey, what if I were like eating in this scene? Yeah. That's good business for me to do. I'm going to be eating like nuts in this scene. I'm going to be chewing an orange in this other scene. Do you like that? Can I do that? Godmother riff. <laughs> All right, okay, can we talk about Mickey Rourke now? Let's talk about cast. Before we talk about Mickey Rourke, Dingus, I want to ask you, who has less charisma, Henry Cavill or Sam Worthington? Go. Sam Worthington. Yes, I agree with Dingus. Mm, sorry, you're both wrong. It's a tie. Nah. You know oh, what? Well done. Now, He's not as round. Which one would you rather see play Superman? Henry Cavill <laughs> played Superman? He's gonna. And the, oh my the, god, that guy is Superman? Yeah, the dark first Superman. Sake. The dark gray Batman looking Superman. I seriously, that guy was such a non-entity for me in this movie. I, now, is that just me? Did you guys like Henry Cavill in, in uh, Immortals? Uh, I didn't like him, but I take him over Sam Worthington. Like, he's the rich man, Sam Worthington. Just because he looked a little more invested, he looked a little more enraged. And Sam Worthington just doesn't seem to have any range in his expressions at all. I agree. Okay, so Dingus, you... Round, he's, like, distractingly round-faced. Like Sam, Sam Worthington is. Yeah. yeah, he's just hard. He's like, uh, fucking... Just, you know what? Just, I would rather have that distractingly... Like, Henry Cavill just looks like a generic underwear model to me. I, I seriously, at times, lost track of which one he was. Uh, I, I don't uh, know. There's no other characters. They that's all the look point. like him. Like, I, I was, it took me a while to realize, oh, that's Stephen Dorff. Uh, but otherwise, everybody looked like Henry Cavill to me. I don't know. <laughs> Took me a while to realize that. Uh, they look nothing alike. What are you talking about? Him and Steven Dorff. I like it when Tom pretends he's not homoerotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, homoerotic. Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Where <laughs> apples and oranges? <laughs> let me tell you, if you want to talk homoerotic. Yes. Go on. I'm listening. So Theseus. Here's my. Here's the uh, hypothesis I put together while watching Immortals. Theseus, totally gay. They're on to him about not being married. Um, when he's with a hot chick, uh, even stripped down to her nightgown, the dude is constantly talking about his mother. Uh, uh, that doesn't make it gay, though. He goes through he issues. He goes through that sex scene with this entirely unconvincing. Uh, is this how I'm supposed to do it? Quality. <laughs> but we've all had sex uh, like that. And, and then afterwards, the morning after, he is completely uninterested in her, as if he would just assume pretend it never happened. Uh, so I don't know about you guys, but uh, Theseus totally setting off my gaydar. No, you guys were uh, you, you guys bought him. He has bigger fish to fry. You can't enjoy sex till you've killed your mom's killer. That's what we learned from the. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really didn't care for this guy. This guy was uh, so. So Dingus Henry Cavill did work for you. Uh, he worked well enough. You know, he he doesn't. He doesn't generate any heat with Frida Pinto whatsoever. Um, she has to do all the work, and and even that work is is sort of <laughs> it's even full, really- of, full of full last. Um, but yeah. he, but he's 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 emotional <laughs> enough, and he can fight, and that's that's sort of the the argument yeah. I make. For I most believed of in him act. as a Greek hero. He looked like he, a Greek hero to me. He can pull off the fighting, and the director doesn't have to cut around it. And so when I'm talking about like different cast members, I had problems with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I have to say, what's the trade-off here? And there, and I'm going to say this with a lot of things with this movie. What's the trade-off? And I like a guy <laughs> who can who 
who can fight, who looks who looks like that and can fight convincingly and you don't have to cut around it and i really appreciate that about him and and he has that 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 moment where uh where uh phaedra approaches him and he's got a little tear in his eye and i believe it's kind of that cg but, you know cg cg Okay. Uh, so, Dingus, on that note, I just want a uh, real quick public service announcement. Uh, Steven Soderbergh has a movie out, I think, in January called Haywire. And one of my favorite things about it is his lead actress is some, like, MMA chick. Uh, and I hope he knows what he's got in terms of, like, how he shoots fighting scenes with her, like you're talking about your your friend, Mr. Cavill, Dingus. What's and, MMA uh, stand for? Or mixed there. martial arts. I don't, Carla? No. no. Not, not uh, uh, Oh, like Gia, Michelle Yeo, huh? Gia Carino, or what's her name? She's like a she's like a, a famous lady kickboxing MMA fighter wrestler, something like that. Like she oh oh Sasha Sasha Gray, I think you're talking about. No, that's the woman who reads to children in schools. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Six of one. Um, anyway, so yes, Dingus, I, I so yes, he can fight. I will give you that. Uh, but I, for me, if you can't bring any heat, if you can't forge a convincing relationship with Frida Pinto and even right. uh, even James Franco was able to do that in the you know the Planet of the Apes movie uh, I was like if you can't meet that bare minimum oh she's in that she so, plays you know, a, a scientist rrr. she's a veterinarian hmm. yeah. is she neutered so in that when, when she takes her clothes off in uh, in Immortals the way he's like sitting there looking he's sort of like he's expecting she's going to change like oh you're going to put something else on like he doesn't realize <laughs> That's the end point. <laughs> like he's waiting for her to then put on her next wardrobe outfit. I she just, also takes it off like she's she knows what she's doing too. Like neither of them are convincing. Like oh yeah, it just slips off if I just touch this thing. Dingus is right though in that she has to do all the work in terms yeah. of their interaction, and it just is ridiculous. And well, again, right. <laughs> so you know, instead of Clash of the Titans, I I think a better analog for this movie is Troy. And uh, oh, I would ask Dingus, you, Tom. Don't you dare go there. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I will, because I because I watched Troy as well, and it's funny to watch these two movies together. I know. Um, go ahead. Would you rather have Henry Cavill or Orlando Bloom? Orlando Bloom easily. So so Troy oh, really so self aware of its goofiness and its celebrity and its absurdity. Troy has a sense of kind of playfulness about it that I think is entirely missing from Immortals. Like, I think Tarsim is deadly earnest about all this, and Troy is just Wolfgang Peterson goofing around, putting Brian Cox in a silly wig, letting the actors chew the scenery. Uh, Troy is, I think, brilliant in every way that Immortals was not. And it's a very good comparison, Dingus. Because I think they're both, in a way, equally bad, but there's just something about the approach to Troy that makes it work for me, whereas Immortals, I just lose patience with, with it. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Wolfgang Peterson is aware of what's going on, but I think it works out well. And I think you're right, you're spot on, that uh, that Tarsum, because I think Tarsum has inherited that 300 vibe of this is so important. Yeah. And, and it is. every Everything we do is so important. Except for the script um, writing. That's not important to anyone. Well, I, think, I don't think Wolfgang Peterson is aware of that, but it works out in his favor regardless. I think Wolfgang Peterson, yeah, is used to just having a lot of studio money thrown at him and letting what happens happen, whereas I, I think Tarsum and has this whole Zack Snyder thing going. Like, I'm a visionary. I'm going to apply my vision to this, and the script doesn't matter that much, and look how awesome this is going to look, and, and I'm serious. Uh so, well, well, that's how low the bar is. That's what we have. We get that in Zack Snyder to 
That's all we. That's all we're offered. It's like the fucking presidential race. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this guy or this guy. Same shit. Uh, well, I do. So here's Never another color. comparison. Like Brian Cox in Troy. Uh, if Mickey Rourke had been doing something like that in this, but I think Mickey Rourke just. I, I, and similar to Iron Man too, like he looks like he's trying, but he doesn't really know how to make it fit in there, and the movie doesn't know how to fit around what he's doing. Bad writing. It is bad writing, but also yeah. And 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 I don't think the costumes helped. Mickey Rourke's helmet looked like a Pikachu thing. Like he looked like a Pokemon. Yeah. I was like, why does his helmet have rabbit ears? Like he looks kind of cute. He also uh, pretends to be someone else, like in Troy Legacy or Tron Legacy. Sorry, uh, <laughs> that's the movie I want to see. Yeah, but remember where the guy, the uh, Major D in in Troy Legacy, was the actual guy, and it's like Mickey Rourke waves the olive branch, and you can tell it's Mickey Rourke from his voice. Like he has a really distinctive voice, right. but the guy doesn't remember. Oh yeah, you're that guy. You're not like you wouldn't remember that. Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think Mickey Rourke is trying. I mean, that's uh, you know, there's that whole scene, any of his opening right, scenes, right, this, the scene with that the priest where he pours water that's supposed to be oil and looks nothing like oil on him, and then the scene where the the traitor shows up. Every line reading is the same level. It's all the same note. It's all the same growl. Everything is the same growl. He, oh, it's oil. He has two lines where he says something to the effect of, I will release the Titans. And how can you not play with that or at least recognize its silliness? Or And you're right, Dingus. He does kind of sleepwalk through all of it. It's just that I have so much admiration for him and what he can do with less, like not rather than having to choose scenery, um, that maybe when he's not trying, I, I want to like it even. Well, I think again, this is the the trade-off I was talking about because in in the fight he has with um, Theseus at the end, you you don't have to cut around it. They can they can do wrestling moves against the walls of that cave or wherever they are. They can they can they can do full-on moves, and you can watch that because Mickey Rourke can fight, and he's you know even though he's he's kind of a little bit huge in the gut, uh, he can still do moves and he can still fight. And you don't have to cut around that, as as you would have to if Brian Cox were playing the part. You wouldn't be able to do that physical stuff. And so that that kind of trade off is something I'm willing to to trade off for because I'm constantly complaining about directors. Again, as I said earlier, who cut around fights. Thing is, how do you feel about Christopher Lee playing Count Dooku? <laughs> I don't I'm not, know. I'm not gonna take I don't know what you're talking you. about. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I agree with Christopher Lee that uh, when Peter Jackson cut Saruman's death out of Two Towers, it was fucking bullshit. That's or no, Return to the King. That's not Star Wars, Kelly Wand. Oh, same thing. All right, Kelly Wand, what's your problem with the script? You mentioned a couple times bad writing. What's wrong with the writing in this movie? Oh, you disagree with that contention? Maybe. We'll see. Um, I don't remember one good line ever. Uh, uh, the, the penetrable gate line. That's not a good line. I know. That's not, I was it, I was just being nice to Dingus. The writer didn't even get his own. He probably wrote that one. See, perfect. Of it did not sound like it. something that King Hyperides or whatever would say. I mean, right. definitely it was so, something a writer would come up with and think is clever and want to put in the script. Yeah, it didn't sound like something that this guy would say. So, it's like the writer is the eunuch character in the scene, and Mickey Rourke would have been. <laughs> No, idiot. A gate. You fucking portal. Do you understand what words mean? Knock a fucking sledgehammer into the screenwriter's balls. 
Get another writer in here. Get Wand in here for three days. Now, now Dingus, given that uh, you understand that there are some even bits in this movie, is there anything about the writing that you feel needs to be defended? Uh, there's... It's a trap. Oh, because it's a Star Wars line. Nice. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's, there's. It's a trap. The feature's not set. Shows up at one point. Does anyone ever a... say I have a bad feeling about this? Does Stephen Dorff? That sounds like something Stephen Dorff would say. Does he ever Wait, say that? What's the trap in this? Uh, the uh, the guards at the bottom of the pit that they dug near the Oracle Castle. They go, hey monk, it's a trap. Right before the gods make, right before Ares and and, and Athena decide, hey, this is the great moment for us to step in. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, it also had gods in it, which, like, Troy didn't. And that's what annoyed me about Troy, was because Troy's about a fucking beauty contest. <laughs> but I also, yeah. I really like that that rewrite, that, that sort of, I don't know if it's a rewrite, because I don't know. I mean, I love mythology, but I don't know all the different threads of mythology. But I like the idea of, of um, these two groups of immortals fought. They found out they could kill each other. One imprisoned the other, and the, the ones that won decided we're gods, and we're going to label ourselves as that. I, I like that idea. Well, uh, I'm sure Edith Hamilton would appreciate that. Well, yeah, I talked to her about it, and she said, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but that ending of, like, of just this 3D people fighting in the sky... <laughs> um... <laughs> it's, it's like, it was, like, raining... CG battles. I don't know what I'm supposed to be thinking there. there it right. is hard to make that look tough. It's like like I'm going to hit a bunch of glasses of water with a baseball bat. It doesn't really translate into something that works. Digitally. There's a horse. It's like they have horses up in the sky, and they, like one of the horses gets its head chopped off or something in that part. It's like they're in the heavens with horses. Here, here's my problem with what's going on. So, Dingusy, I like what you're talking about as the backstory, but all of that, none of that makes any appearance in. The movie, the the plot makes no sense because, and it's this classic, uh, like action movie blunder. It's strictly a movie about a doodad. You know, this this magical bow is going to decide everything. There's nothing important there about character motivation. Yeah, the dude's mother was killed. Whatever, get over it. Uh, like yeah, that's when, never been done. When <laughs> but no, Rourke, it's not. No, oh, when ahead, Mickey Rourke, when Mickey Rourke gets the bow, why does he then care? about Theseus? The answer is because the movie wants to manufacture some sort of drama. There's no significant... No character ever makes a significant choice in this movie. Uh, the, the, the most effective character in this movie, in terms of moving the plot along, in terms of shifting the drama, the most effective character in this movie is that hyena that picks up the bow and carries it from Henry Cavill to Mickey Rourke. No, so, I think that that sort of that moment, which is which is cool, uh, actually r ruins your point a little bit because it's not about a doodad because the doodad gets removed from the equation pretty quickly because of the the wild dog hyena character. I mean, I mean, it's not it, it's not a movie why, about Mickey Rourke trying to find it because immediately as soon as. Theseus gets it, and he gets to test it out a little bit. A dog takes it away. So it's not about him, right. I'm marching with this bow, and I am going to defeat you. It's just the bow becomes just this weapon that gets used. It's right. not about that bow at all. But at that point, the movie is over, is effectively over. All of the choices are over. Uh, nothing matters anymore after that point. It Make didn't matter before, though. Well, it mattered, and that's the thing: is that the the, the dramatic the, the drama of the movie is who's going to get the magic, the key to the magic box. 
You, you know, it's just it's a classic MacGuffin thing. This bow, no, no. About it. the bow's just going to unlock the Titans. It's going to be a random world-ending device. Who is going to get the power to do this? You know, whether it's the nobody, whether it's the formula no, of the Death no. Star or or the you know the the plans to make a nuclear weapon, whatever. This bow, once somebody gets it and opens the Titan box, everything that matters in the movie is done with. That's not true. It's about Theseus learning who needs to be defended and when to use his power. I mean, that, that's something that John Hurt says. Well, when are you going to fight to defend those I love? And then John Hurt says, what about the weak and those who can't defend themselves? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Well, and so he, he has to learn. When does he ever not do that, though? What do you mean? Yeah. When does he ever not? He's done that the whole movie. The whole movie, he's defending the weak. He's, he's, he's fighting. No, no, no. He only, he only tries to save his mom. He's only trying to save his mom, and then he tries to save his friends. And then okay. he has to learn, okay, I have to, to go for something larger. I have to lead people. When I have to stop out? this thing that's okay. going to happen. So where's the turning point, Dingus? I mean, if there is a dramatic shift, and maybe I just missed it, but where does, that ha- where does he learn that? Well, he learns that when he decides that he has to go to, uh, I forget, Thanatos or Tiresias, or wherever he goes to those, Racist. to that, to, to, to then lead the people. When Zeus says, look... You have you have a larger thing. You have a larger thing that you have to do. I have faith in you. I am not going to intervene anymore. And you have to do this. You have to lead the people. That, right. That's your job. And and he set that up as old man by telling him, yeah, it's very well and good that you're going to protect your loved ones. But what about people who don't have loved ones to protect them? And so he has to learn to do that. So the the bow, the doodad, gets removed from the occasion, the uh, the equation very early. And Theseus has to decide: is he going to be a leader of men? Is he going to protect people, or is he not? And that's what it becomes about. And and also, you know, and this is how it sort of ties in with Troy too, and something I didn't realize until I watched Troy again is this whole idea of of history and legacy, which which is so important to them and, and they keep talking about in both movies over and over again, what's my history, what's my legacy, because that's what drives Achilles and that's what eventually apparently drives Theseus is, is what is his, I will who's going to write history. Right. Yeah, I will grant you that for Troy, but it seemed like an afterthought in, in Immortals. Uh, it, it was brought up at the very end of the fight in, in the Immortals. I, I didn't see that. Uh, I'll grant you this, this stuff about if you want to look at it as a guy learning to defend the weak and live up to his obligation, a sort of Lord of the Rings thing. Okay, maybe I'll grant you that. I didn't feel it did it very well, but okay, I will grant you that I did see some of that in there. But I still maintain the most dramatic, the, the guy who had the most effect in this movie was that hyena. <laughs> Um, before we go away, can we talk a little bit about 3D? Before we go away. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys loved the 3D. What, uh, what made the 3 I, uh, but I'll, I'll wait. Before we get to that, why does a tsunami have oil in it? What was this British petroleum tsunami thing going on? Did anyone... This got a huge laugh in my audience, as well as the crazy uh, Oracle Burkas. Audience tittered at all of that. What was going on with the, the oil in the tsunami? Does anyone know? What oil? All that well, mud? They, talk, they were first you said it's oil on the priest's head. I thought that was water. Now the ocean's oil? We know they escaped the tsunami, and then we cut to the aftermath of it, and they're all covered in oil. What was that? Oh, right, right, the tar. Dingus will explain it. Yeah, Dingus, what was that? He's our resident science science expert. <laughs> well, that was explained before that. There, there's this really beautiful, beautiful um, non-sequitur shot of, of uh, a mask that sort of transmogrifies into that 
boat, that ship. Uh, and it's it's on By that. The way, ab- that shot done far better in the fall. But go ahead. That whole like right. you're looking at one thing and now it's something else. Uh, Ab- and, absolutely right. Absolutely. And without right. CG in the fall. But okay, so go ahead. How is that explained? Was that an oil tanker? No. <laughs> was that the Exxon Valdez? <laughs> no, no. But but as as that boat is going through that obsidian. And what, what, they're t- what they call it the Black Sea, which is which is filled with with uh, with oil. I mean, the, a character says that that the, this is the Black Sea, and it's called that because it's it's filled with oil. I mean, it's oh, Kelly Wan, did you catch that? No, but remember in Zoolander when Ben Stiller's in the coal mine and he comes <laughs> out and he scares the shit out of John Voight because he's in like blackface from the coal. <laughs> I thought uh, of that when Henry Cavill was looking at her. I, I she's will clean and using this towel that has no tar on it, and they're they're all like covered in it. Like everyone's like, Ugh. I, I will love say that. I, I love the way that look of the, all those guys in blackface and her having yeah. showered off. I I, I, I love that. Yeah, conditioner and chair. Uh, when it comes to movies where the characters are covered in petroleum products, I prefer Zoolander. <laughs> oh, is that what it says on the blurb for? Mortal. That's my official quote. Uh, all right, so Dingus, explain this 3D. So you are now over your uh, your your hatred of 3D. Uh, Immortals has brought you around. You love Tom's 3D, Maddie, so, and you will be going to see Happy Feet 2 in 3D this weekend. Am I correct? What what's wrong? Turncoat. Fuck yeah. you, 3D apologist. <laughs> what's going on there, Dingus? Show your Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Kelly, did you see the movie in 3D? Yeah, I'm with you. Did you like it? Yeah. And Tom, you saw it in 3D, right? Yes, hated it. And you 3D, you hated it. Okay. Yes. I mean, Wait. You know, so I did. I it, it wasn't as gratuitous as some 3D, but I didn't feel it needed to be in 3D. There is nothing. I liked that sort of layered look to the bas relief or whatever you call those like painting things. I don't know if that's even what those were, but that's a word I've heard before. I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, I liked some of that early on, and then otherwise I couldn't have cared less about the 3D. It seemed less of an afterthought than the 3D in Clash of the Titans. And oh, that's yeah. why I, I keep tripping balls when you open with Clash of the Titans comparison. Like, man, Clash of the Titans fucking owns this movie. It's like... I didn't say that. Is I said the 3D... I would... No, I know, but if you're going to see any 3D movie, any 3D Greek movie, <laughs> I would say Immortals is better than Clash of the Titans. Or... What's the other one? Or Conan, uh, the Conan, yeah, oh, God. <laughs> dude, I hate thinking about that movie at all for any reason. Well, that was 3D, also. Uh, all right, Dingus. So this 3D did bring you, you, you approve. You're gonna, you're gonna give Tarsim Singh Jadvar an attaboy. Is that correct? Uh, you know, this is another one of those trade-off things. So it'd be, uh, when I listen to, uh, you guys have both seen the cell, yes? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. All right, so you know that there, you know, remember that moment where, um, where Jennifer Lopez is going inside of um, Vincent D'Onofrio's brain, and she goes into that room, and there's the horse there, and she pets the horse, and he, it's like the little boy, and then the boy warns her to get away from the horse, and this, these blades come down and just vivisect the horse. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Vaguely. So so you've got all these – you basically have the horse in, in – not cross-section, but you have the horse sectioned off sitting there. 
Uh, and so you see like the beating heart of the horse, like between these right. pieces of glass. Right. And so in the, in the commentary, Tarsum talks about how frustrating it was. Um, he talks about, I mean, he comes a lot across as really petulant in the commentary. It's kind of funny because the, the actress who's the victim lied to him about whether or not she could swim. And he just spends the entire commentary complaining about that. <laughs> I don't blame him. Well, he was he's really getting... mad. He's really mad because she claimed to be a lifeguard, and it's clear she couldn't swim. And so he just said, lifeguard. all I could do is shoot her in telephoto lenses, and I never got close to her, and it's her fault. So anyway, he he also complains about this this particular shot. It's a, it's a really good commentary. I don't mean to, to discount it. It's good commentary. Um, because he's talking about how they wouldn't let him shoot it so it didn't appear 2D. That whole scene to him was too two-dimensional. It wasn't – it was just – too flat for him and so uh, suddenly i got this sort of idea of oh he wants to be able to experiment with 3d and so as i watched um immortals uh, early very early on from the i think it was that shot of the warning bell as the as the as the uh, camera pulls through that thing <laughs> where i where i got the feeling that that none of this is layered on that that a director like tarsum can use this uh, he, and he was constantly using it. The, uh, the other shot I would say that really sort of took my breath away as far as 3D is concerned is the, sh- is the shot from inside the, um, the, the, not, whatever the, the tomb where, um, where Theseus is pushing his mother into that little area and you see the shot from inside behind and going back behind him. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much depth of field in everything he shoots in this. He he takes full advantage of the 3D throughout the film, and then and then when he fights the Minotaur, and there there's that final moment on that that four way staircase that's over. Again, you see the depth of field and the dimensionality of it. He takes full advantage of the de- of the of the dimensionality of it. And because my, my 3D glasses, again, I, I go to the arc light and they have powered 3D glasses. And as happened with Piranha, I missed the first sequence of, of this movie, the opening Titan sequence, because my glasses weren't working and I had to go out and get new ones. <laughs> so Third I, went, alert. I went and watched part of the 2D and then I got the better glasses and watched the 3D version again at the beginning and then watched the 2D version again. Oh so I got God. to see both back to back to back to back. I know. You I still know. like the movie? Jeez. I, think I, there's a, there's probably... I think that's a, that qualifies for Stockholm syndrome right there. Well, bear, bear with me here, uh, because because what I got to see when I when I compared versions back and forth and back and forth is that, um, and this is something I complained about with Toy Story three is that the trade off isn't good because of color. I mean, when you go to see the 2D version of Immortals, the colors are much more vibrant and brighter. When that when that uh, beast bull thing shows up, you can see all of it. And when um, when Hyperion is questioning the guy, you can see fully into the background. You can see so much detail in in the 2D version. The thing is, you're making me hate the 3D even more. I'm sorry to do that, but the fight that you love, Tom, right? It feels okay. Flat. You brought me around. It feels flat when you watch it yeah, you in sold 2D. Me. Yep, yep, I agree. And when you watch it in 3D, it is just just vibrant. I mean, what you talked about with video games, and I don't play, and you don't play video games in 3D very much, but wow, I mean, watching that, wow, watching that video game kind of feel 
in 3D, it has so much more, I don't know, resonance or obviously dimensionality, but it feels thicker and the other feels flatter. So, uh, again, this is this is sort of that straddling the fence because I don't know what to say about what the trade-off is. But if any director can do it and get the most out of it, Tarsum is one of those guys, and he does all that depth of field stuff. He doesn't bother to layer it on, and 3D actually works in this film. You liked it so much it made you do a little bit uh, a little bit of walking there. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Kelly Wan, I have a question for you and I want you to tell me the truth. Do you know how to swim? Uh the horse scene in the cell really glued me to my seat. One, two, three, not only you and me got one eighty degrees and I'm going between counting. Kelly, I noticed that you're dodging the question, so we're going to have to shoot the rest of this podcast with a telephoto lens. <laughs> mm. Afghanistan. Right. Sorry to go on and on. I apologize. No, no, no. Vegas, I... Dude, a four-way stairway. <laughs> no, see, that's what Dingus made me hate the 3D, and then he made me appreciate it. So, uh, Dingus, you're, you're an invaluable asset to this podcast and to the movie The Immortals. I hope I'm not an invaluable asset to 3D, though. Tom, you like the 3D in Resident Evil Million. I did, didn't I? I really did. Yeah. So Me, too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Anderson. He's, uh, yeah, Tarsem, he's no Paul Anderson. This, uh, The Immortals is a lesser Tarsem, I would say. But it, lesser Tarsem is better than a major or whatever the classroom right so right. my my kids uh my my little boy he's uh, almost seven years old and one of his friends was over this week and, and his little friend had to leave and he said uh i have to go because my family's going to a movie we're all going to a movie oh god and he's like seven years old and i said oh what are you guys going to see and, you know he's, he, he corrals his four-year-old brother and he goes we're going to see jack and jill Oh, <laughs> I thought they were going to see Immortals. Okay, I approve. <laughs> and he goes, it's going to be so funny because the girl kicks the ball and it hits the grandma in the face. Uh, really? That's So that's the target audience for that fucking movie? Yeah, yep. of course. Of course, Kelly Wand. Uh, so uh, Immortals beat Jack and Jill. How do you guys feel about uh-huh. that? Yay! Come on, Tom. You have to admit that's cool. Yes, I definitely support that, Yeah. Uh, all right, but, what, what, but how much but did, did either of them beat Puss in Boots? Yes, Puss in Boots pushed down a third place. Immortals was, I think, I want to say 35. Jack and Jill was like 29 million, I think. Uh, Immortals did well. I mean, considering he can't have, I think couldn't have cost much, you just rent out a few uh, warehouses to shoot it on, pay some uh, middling actors and Mickey Rourke, uh, and then hire a couple of CG companies. So I'm sure Immortals must have cost like $2 million. A Tarsum movie should outgross an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> How much would, I, would Dorf have cost? Do you think Dorf cost anything? Oh, poor Stephen Dorf. That guy. So here's – I'm sorry. We you know, this isn't a spoiler. So I am so – I have such a new appreciation for Stephen Dorf after seeing Somewhere, which really looks like – I mean, he is so soulful in that movie in a way. Like Somewhere, the Sofia Coppola, Coppola movie, is about a guy who you would normally hate. You know, it's about a guy who's like – so bored of his fame and his wealth and he's got a sports car but it breaks down every now and then boohoo you know he's got two strippers that he's into and you know i don't even have one stripper (laughs) 
and yeah. I don't have anything like a sport. You know, I drive a Honda Fit for Pete's sake. So this guy, I should have no sympathy for him. But Steven Dorff's performance and the way Sofia Coppola shoots it, I just really felt like, you know, here's this cool character with substance, and I like this guy, and he's kind of soulful. And uh, so I really, really liked Steven Dorff in somewhere, and he is doing all of these. I mean, even if you're into the Immortals, he's doing all of these like crappy straight to DVD just action movies that are just terrible. Uh, and I really wish the guy would get a, get a break. Uh, so sorry, how did we get around on that? Who brought up? I just I just wanted to ask how much Dorf would how much he would have cost, and if if you feel because I I love the guy too, and I felt bad for him in this, even though he looks great. And then you, you got to check. If you love him, do not read his uh, IMDb uh, bio. Why? What's wrong with that? <laughs> What's going on there, Dingus? Uh, it's just one of it. Just feels. Uh, don't just the first two <laughs> lines are a little sad. It's just sad. Wait, you mean like like somewhere is kind of sad? Like he's he's a a, a lost soul, like that kind of sad, <laughs> or he's a jerk? No, it's not, it's just his recent credits. It, it, uh, don't uh, okay, yeah, I don't. It's, well, now I have to to understand what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. Kelly, one, did you see somewhere? No, I've seen nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kelly, one, what is this week's three by three? Ah, did you guys like it? I'm not saying until it's my Oh, <laughs> that was the pause that refreshes. Uh, here, here you go, Kelly Wan. So I'm doing next week's 3x3, three three, so here's what I'll tell yeah. you. Yours is better than mine. No, As I'm doing next week. Oh, you are? Yeah, you just oh, did hair. Kelly Wan, I'll tell you this. Yours is better than Dingus's. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wan, what is this week's 3x3? Three three? What do you got for us? This week's 3x3, three three, it was the three biggest hero survival ripoffs. Mm. Uh, like what, where? Yeah, what brought it on? What's an example? Like in the olden days, when the kids would see Flash Gordon serials, our grandfather's grandfathers, Thomas Edison days, would go to the movie theater mm-hmm. and it'd show like Flash Gordon getting blown up in a rocket ship because there's a bomb on it, and mm. and a cliffhanger, and then they make you go wait a week. Oh, is he gonna get out of it? And then they'd go and see it, and it just shows him like walking out of it before it takes off. Like they just, and then it shows. Psych. Yeah, and I assume the kids would go, "What the fuck!" Like they probably didn't cheer; they probably just went, "Fucking." So, what do you call this topic, Kelly Wand? Three biggest uh, fake, three biggest fridge nukings. Mm, you had a better thing, so you called it hero survival ripoffs, didn't you? Hero survival ripoffs, yeah. Yes, so these are your, our three biggest hero survival ripoffs. And yeah, you did mention the nuking the fridge thing in Indiana Jones. Although I actually like, I was not a huge hater of the nuked fridge. I love that. Now, here, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Well, it was just so weird and, and funny and odd and bizarre. Yep. What the fuck is this movie? Are they serious? Like, it was so, it was funny to me. It was, it was inventive, I think, and people who take issue with it, I don't think quite understand the rules in these kind of like pulp fiction serial adventures. Uh, so I think the whole nuking the fridge trope is a little misguided overall. Yeah. So and like I, I thought, I saw it as a natural extension of, like, the life raft way out of the plane crashing. Absolutely, into the absolutely. So a lot of what, and I'll get into, when, when it's my turn, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some examples, of course, but what bothers me is more when it's, the rules are inconsistent in a movie. So when right. I think of a hero's survival ripoff, I think that's where the movie has broken its own rules, and I don't think Indiana Jones, even when it got to be crappy, I don't think it was ever really guilty of that. 
Um, no, but when Shia LaBeouf can summon CG monkeys that only attack Nazis and Russians... Please don't, please don't bring that up, Kelly Wan. Just That's when I go, all right, now the fridge is really beneath. <laughs> Kelly Wan, you're crushing my soul. Wait, what's that from? <laughs> Just now? Wait, did, did you say Indiana Jones has never been guilty of that? Uh, maybe. Or did okay. you mean that movie? <laughs> Wait, when, what? Uh, well, I just think the, those movies have so much leeway to play with things like nuking fridges and jumping out out of planes on life rafts. But then I'd rather not talk about like monkeys <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf getting whacked in the balls and the waterfall. Yeah, it's like the the fridge nuke. You think, oh well, that'll be the one moment like that in this movie, and we'll all talk about how great it was. But then the rest of the movie happens. <laughs> Is that what you were going to call me out on, Dingus? Uh, no, no, not at all. But we can do that with our runners. Okay, so yeah, well, Dingus, start us off. What is your, uh, well, how did you approach this list, and what is your number three choice for the greatest hero survival ripoffs? Uh, what I, how I approached this list was basically looking at um, heroes who were making a sacrifice and still uh, got saved when they shouldn't have. Convenient, right? It's like uh, the thing about cancer. Where the hero struggles with the fact that they've got cancer, and then at the end, oh, there's a big mix-up. You don't really have cancer. You have a brain tumor. <laughs> right. Good news. Straighten <laughs> up. Yeah. All right. Yes. So, what do you what do you got for your number three? All right. I, I'm I'm, I'm going to pull pull a Kelly wand here. Sacrifice. Um, so. so I've got for my number three, I've got an obvious A and an obvious B, and you guys need to choose between A and B. Obvious. Wait a minute. What? Uh, I'm just wondering which one, Kelly. I was hoping Kelly would go first, and I would be able to choose the other one. Why would because, I go first? Uh, it's my I topic. <laughs> it is your topic, but I was just hoping it would happen like magically. Because uh, I've got two obvious ones that are my number three. <laughs> hoping things happen magically is pulling at me, by the way. That's how I do everything. That's how I work my finances. Well, I'll probably be $800 overdrawn, but maybe magic will happen. All right, I'll just go with my big, my, my big obvious one that uh, that uh, ruined the movie for me. And here's a, here's a quote from it. It says Virgil Brigman back on the air. Virgil Brigman back on the air. I feel like I should know what that is, Kelly Wan. Do you know what that is? Did he say it right? Mm, probably. He didn't do, use his Irish accent, which always throws me off. It says Virgil Brigman back on the air. Dingus, is that what you just said? Yeah, but the way she says it is more like, <laughs> oh god, it says Virgil Brigman back on the air. Dingus barely has to change his voice. <laughs> I know, isn't that awesome? Uh, Dingus, yeah. was that Jennifer Connelly in the just Rocketeer? No, no, that was Mary <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Mestran Tantiani or no? What in what movie? Robin Hood? Uh, no. Mary Elizabeth Winstead Stantonio. Is Virgil Brigman Ed Harris's name in Abyss? Yes. Oh, that's his name? That can't be his name. Virgil Brigman? Uh, Is Ed Harris's name in the Abyss? Virgil Brigman. Yes, Virgil Brigman. Thing is, you invented that. That's the stupidest hero name ever. And, and then when, when he, when he uh, spoiler alert, when he meets her at the end, he says, she says, Brigman, and he goes, Mrs. Brigman. No, uh, I don't remember that. Uh, Next, you're going to tell me that Chris Elliott is in that movie. I don't believe any of this. No, David Letterman, not. You know what? This is an awesome pick, Dingus. Darn, I might have to steal this. Okay, I know. I see what his A and B are too, and I would say B. <laughs> Go ahead, Dingus. What's what's the uh, hero survival ripoff in the Abyss? Today he yells at her back to life. 
All right. Well, what, what I hate about this category is it ruins uh, a category I had um, not on deck, but uh, in the wings mm-hmm. somewhere of, of uh, least favorite or favorite or most notable deus ex machinas. And, and I'm worried that this ruins it a little bit, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, this is one of those. And, and this is where, you know, this character, uh, Virgil Brigman, uh, goes to disarm the warhead, and he knows, according to what he says, that this is going to be a one-way trip, and he's making mm. a sacrifice to save everybody. Mm. And then these magical black aliens, I mean, magical colorful aliens, come down and give him, you know, take him to their ship. It's just, everybody knows what happens at the end of The Abyss. Right. And in, uh, The Abyss is a movie I've referenced before because of Sense of Place, and I love that whole that area under under sea where they have their their whole environment that they live in. Right. And I feel like the, the film really betrays all of the work that the movie puts in with this ridiculous we're gonna get this huge CG CG thing to rise out of the 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 sea and decompress everybody magically. Right. And I absolutely hate that ending and i i watch it again i mean it's, it's, it's a cheesy movie it's an ugly ending. ship it's a stupid looking fucking color oh it's horrible it looks like a children's play structure at yeah. a mall um yeah it's the last I, thing you want to see at the end of that movie <laughs> but just the idea and the way they do these gymnastics with the guy with the rat on his neck to say we should be dead they must have done something to us I mean, all of that is horrible for all of them, but mainly because Kelly confined this to a hero. I'm just talking about him because he right. was going down there to make a, a sacrifice, a noble sacrifice. And the, the aliens, for some reason, decide, well, we're going to save this guy. Dingus, you have highlighted one of many reasons that Armageddon is better than the Abyss. Ooh. Uh, angry nerds, write, write an email to uh, kellywand at gmail.com. Okay, let's. Uh, that's a good one, Dingus. I really want to steal that rat because I don't like. I'm not crazy about any of mine, but I'm less crazy about them now. G Armageddon. G Armageddon. Right. Let's go with my number three. You guys ready for this? Ben I'm going to give you a quote. Ready? Huh. Clever girl. <laughs> See? See how I did the accent and everything? The Irish accent? Uh, okay, one of the things that really bothers me. Again, my problem is internal consistency. If you want to be a fun serial pulp adventure thing, that's fine. Knock yourself out. Do those little flash cord moments. That's part of the convention. I'm okay with that. If you want to make a movie about deadly creatures, creatures that are so awesome, they will just screw you up. You can be the consummate professional who spent your life hunting animals, and these creatures outsmart you, like the raptors in, in Jurassic Park. Um If you want to make a movie about creatures that deadly, that's fine. But when you then subvert how deadly those creatures are because your heroes are facing them, I am no longer on board. I am going to jump ship. Uh, Jurassic Park does a great job with the T-Rex attack, but once we get to raptors banging around in the kitchen and jumping into reflections and stuff uh, just because they're stalking little kids and the kids are safe, once we subvert how dangerous the raptors are, because we're dealing with little kids and it's the end of the movie, I think that's a hero survival ripoff. Uh, I remember seeing a horror movie when I was a kid. I wonder if this holds up. There's a horror movie called The Prophecy, and it's not the Christopher Walken thing. It's a movie, uh, Robert Foxworth, I think, is in it, and it's about these this mutant bear. Like, there's a chemicals that leak out of a, uh, 
uh, factory, and it infects a river, and it mutates bears. So there are these giant mutant bears. Maybe there's just one. I don't remember how many there are. But they run around the woods, and they F people up. When there's And the scene that freaked me out as a kid, one of these mutant bears stumbles on a campsite and just savages this family. And one of the little – there's a little kid in a sleeping bag who's wrapped up in a sleeping bag, and he's trying to, like, bounce away. And the bear swipes at him with a paw and just, like, splatters him. And there's, like, blood and feathers from the down sleeping bag going everywhere. And it establishes this creature will screw you up even if you're a little kid. Being a little kid doesn't make you safe from this monster. So when a movie compromises that, when its deadly creature is compromised because it's facing the hero, I, I lose interest. So – that's my number three pick is Jurassic Park. The kit, the kitchen specifically? Specifically uh, how the raptors become less deadly and can be foiled by things like a reflection. And Doesn't, doesn't she hit one of them with a skillet or something? I, I yeah. <laughs> but you know what? The, like, it actually crescendos in the, in the biggest deus ex machina at all. It's like it's about to – it jumps at them, and then the T-Rex right. snaps it out of the air. <laughs> Yeah, stealthy T Rex. Yeah, then it, yeah, stel- yeah, I did notice the stealthy T Rex. Yeah, there, there were no water glasses vibrating. Right, uh, and it only eats the raptors. It doesn't right. eat, it, like you did. Okay, now we have bigger problems. We have a fucking T Rex too. No, they just they they fight and then we get away and it's like fucking. Uh, and they do such a good job of like letting the raptors kill other main characters. Like that's that's yeah. huge, and it establishes, hey, these things are scary. They'll mess you up. They'll eat you. And uh, no, that's that's not the case. Uh, now, there are times I do want to give special dispensation to certain movies where there's a deadly creature. Because at one point, and I've talked about this before, I think in Jurassic Park 2, the girl Jim Cotta's the, the raptors away, and that's terrible. But I want to... Uh, I want to give, I want to extend a little bubble of protection and say it's okay when you do it in a movie like Chupacabra Terror, where you have established that Shalane Simmons is a crack kickboxing instructor, so that when she faces the Chupacabra, her skill is pitted against the Chupacabra's deadliness and they balance each other out. Uh, I think that movie earns that confrontation in a way that Jurassic Park 2 didn't with the gymnast girl. So there you what go. about in Armageddon when Ben Affleck? Huh? Even though he loses the, the but he wants at, to, you see. He Bruce Willis replaces him. He knew he was going to do it. He knew he, he was going to. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know. Really? Yeah. yeah. Have you I ever seen a movie? Say, I just want to say, <laughs> Kelly Wand, is there a Criterion edition of The Abyss? Uh, oh, owned. There mm. you go, Kelly Wand. What did I mean, you hold on? I just want to look at the time because Shalane Simmons mentioned. It. Okay, got it. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that originally wasn't the because I, I really like the the uh, the T Rex thing too for the the saving the because I think the original was just supposed to be the bones and then a studio note was like hey we got this T Rex let's use that again what what do you mean the I, original thing bones the bones eats the raptor in the no original? the original was 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 the climax that was somehow the the the, the Velociraptor just died. Because of those, the T Rex bones that were hanging there, <laughs> they and, fell on them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it worked, but but I know that the T Rex sort of sneaking in the back door and going, "Hey, I'm the T Rex, I'm back." <laughs> was not oh no, bones! The only thing that could ever kill me. <laughs> so yeah, so they had they made the 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 T Rex pass its stealth check. Thingus uh, yeah. is high. What the he's, he's talking madness. Uh, it's just some insight he has into the studio process, Kelly Wand. All right, I could be totally wrong. I, Talk about the is that happened in the book or something? It might have. I yeah, I did read the book. Because so. at the end of Hook, uh, the stuffed alligator 
falls on top of Dustin Hoffman. Hey, 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 that might be on somebody's list. Did you just call that the hook? No, and this is a hero survival. He's not the hero. Oh, good point. And he doesn't survive, does he? No, he dies. Because the alligator burps. That's how you know that the pirate's dead inside his mouth. Because that's how you know that Boba Fett was dead in the Sarlacc. Kelly Wand, what's your number three choice for hero survival ripoff? It's a perfect segue to what I was talking about, because... um, Boba Fett? No. But during the movie I'm referring to, Peter Pan is invoked in the scene. And uh, a mom is reading to her daughter the story of Peter Pan, and Tinkerbell gets killed off. But the mom reads, oh, but if you clap your hands and believe in fairies, Tinkerbell comes back to life. And Drew Barrymore goes, okay, yeah, 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 let's do it. I totally believe it. This is not bullshit at all. And then Tinkerbell's fine because it's on the next page. So then later on in the movie, fucking E.T. dies. (laughs) And then... uh, But it's a Jesus parable. Right. But what I'm a little unclear, they sort of gloss over um, the science. Like, why does he come back? uh, Kelly Wand, any advanced technology would appear as magic to you. I think that's his, that's from Isaac Asimov's greatest saying. So his technology is to look like he dies and then not well, die. Well, no, his little glowy finger brings things back to life. So there's but himself. Yeah, it's got a little like internal circuit that can trip. Sure. And he doesn't use it till he they're they're putting him in the crematorium or whatever. It's got a refractory period. <laughs> it's just here's the the theme of my list is. Stuff we seem to have given a free pass to for some reason. like Because it's heartwarming. Yeah, like, oh, uh, well. In fact, they're almost all like that. I started taking some off because I was realizing, wait, almost every movie does this. <laughs> <laughs> you just hate redemption at the end of a movie, and these are examples. The E.T. one bothers me because... It seems very random, and they never they never talk about it. Did it ever occur to you, Kelly Wan, that that's maybe the power of Reese's Pieces? Ooh. Why didn't they clap before? Ah, you and your Reese's Pieces. <laughs> All right, so Kelly Wan, uh, E.T. I don't imagine E.T. would appear on many Kelly Wan 3x3s. I'm glad to see it here. Um, Dingus, what is your number two, and can you give us a quote from it? I actually can't. Because uh, I would just be quoting uh, the same thing I quoted last week, and I don't want to do that. Because, Remember when Tom uh, called a boulder I'm a, I'm a, a Chekhov's guy? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Remember when I created the word genuine? Yeah. <laughs> that was smart, not what Tom did. Remember when Kelly Wan called me Paul? Remember when I said it in reference to The Flash, a superhero speed talking, and I was fucking up a verbal thing? Remember when you called him Kelly Podcast? Everybody calls him uh, that. Yeah. Uh, so, Kelly Wand, or no, so Dingus, what's your name? Uh, so, you're not going to give us a quote because it's a repeat from last week's. So, it's not Midnight Run because that's your normal go to repeat. So, I don't know what you got. Give us a clue. What, what is it? Are you just going to, you just want to spill it out there? Uh, I kind of want to just spill it out there. It is it is one of my favorite hair shifts, and it's unfortunately something I'm not going to be able to talk a great deal about because I don't want to spoil it. Because, again, as an evangelist for the movie Tangled, I want people to see the movie Tangled. And there is a noble sacrifice that happens in this movie that should have been a sacrifice. Dingus, it's a Disney princess movie. I mean, you're the only – that's right. That's if uh, Dingus <laughs> – 
You can't have things really dying in a Disney princess movie. That's just not how it works. That's a good point. Uh, how dare we have things dying? Wait, which one? Uh, 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 the movie is called Tangled, and there's a character uh, named Flynn Rider who, uh, at one point in the movie, should have died, and he didn't. And Kelly Wan, don't go. Ugh, Tangled is worth seeing. Trust us. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's about a girl's hair. No, that. no, it's about more. It's about the human spirit, Kelly Wan. <laughs> oh, I love humans. We're awesome. Hooray and, for and people. Well, well, I think that. Uh, if I look at the various fairy tales, it's sort of hilarious. Um, the the uh, the moment where the the hero's sacrifice is negated is really, uh, you know, again, it's difficult to evaluate this because as somebody just like an emotional child watching a movie, I'm like, yeah, I want that guy to be saved. Right. But as an adult watching something and getting an emotional catharsis out of a movie, I think. What should happen here, story-wise, is this character's sacrifice should be honored, and it's not. Uh, and so, you know. Let me suggest, Dingus, that I, I think the point for something like Tangled is more that the character has advanced sufficiently to where he makes that choice. Not so much. I, I mean, I agree with you that it would be darker, and you would see through the. Uh, it would see. It, it would be sort of more true to itself if it saw the choice through to the end. Uh, but but I think for a traditional like princess a Disney princess story like that the point of it is that the character has has decided to make this choice that he goes from only caring about himself not loving the heroine to caring enough about her to make that choice uh, I agree well, with that, you though but uh, but that's my that would be if I was doing the studio notes that's how I would present it well that makes me feel better about it thank you Tom so are we going to take it off your list and replace it with uh, Mary Elizabeth Astor Antonio uh, or Sleeping Wait. Beauty. <laughs> Or, no, I'm not going to replace it because I, I still think it's a ripoff because, of, yes. because it hasn't been set up earlier. Uh, but yeah, Kelly Wan, see Tangled. It's not, and, and you know what? Sometimes cartoons are good, Kelly Wan. I don't know if you know that. I only like the hand-drawn ones. Well, you know what? Dingus, here's, uh, here, I'm sorry, you were saying something, Kelly Wan, but I wanted to tell Dingus something. Uh, guess what, <laughs> Kelly Wan? That, that movie was all hand-drawn, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. Wait a minute, what? Put what in my pipe? First of all, you can't. Is that true, Dingus? Tangled wasn't was all hand drawn. Tangled's not a CG movie. Is it rotoscoped? No. Wow. Is it live action? So you know, Dingus, to talk to what you were mentioning, a better example, I think, and and I love that they don't wuss out. I, I think of Iron Giant, where the character comes to that decision and the movie sees it through, and it gives it much more power. Uh, Iron Giant, of course, part of what makes it brilliant, it's not a Disney princess movie. Oh, that's a really good point, Tom. So, uh, that's really good. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm wrong actually about about Tango. I think it is computer, but it just looks hand drawn. But yeah, don't tell Kelly Wan. He'll, he won't be any the wiser. He would believe Sorry. you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kelly Wan, have you seen the Iron Giant? Because that's hand drawn. Yeah, it's good. Right. Uh, robot, right? Yep. yep. Giant robot. I like giant robots. I don't like them when they're human size, though. I don't like them when they can change into other things. Yeah, why don't they just stay the cool thing, though? Right. Why would a robot want to be a Ford? That's why do they turn... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here's my number two choice. Uh, I don't think this is from the books, but there's that bit in... Is it Two Towers where Aragorn's fighting wargs and gets dragged off a cliff? And everybody's like, oh, Aragorn's dead. Uh, and then he's not, and I don't think they explain. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just a random thing they add in, right? Like, there's no... 
explanation. Yeah, they added it. That's not even in the book. They thought, yeah. hey, wouldn't it be awesome if people think he's dead for five seconds? And, and it seems to me like <laughs> like they do that with Gandalf, and they do that very well, and I'm okay with it not being explained because it's kind of mystical and mythical, and even Gandalf doesn't seem very clear on it. And uh, it sort of seems like you can't do that with Gandalf and then do a miniature one with Aragorn. Right, like, right after we're coming off of a red herring. A non-death. Yeah, is it after they've lost Gandalf? It is, isn't it? They've is this your choice, Tom? Yeah, why? Because you said you started this by saying, uh, I, I think it's two towers. Well, I don't think of the... So here's a weird fact about me. Uh, I don't think of the movies as individual movies, because as it, you know, Dingus, I was never that into them when they were in the theaters. Uh, it was only going back and seeing them, the extended editions, which I watched like all through one weekend. So for me, it's a continuous whole, and I lose track of where those breaks are supposed to be. He considered them one book. That was, that was right, a publishing right. decision to do it as a trilogy. So. Right. Sort of just like uh, the Weinsteins did with uh, Kill Bill. I hate you. <laughs> So you claiming not to know is sort of you going, oh, I don't know this. He's pretending he doesn't. No, no, I have. I don't author. know. The, nope, I do not know the books that well. I promise. I would love to be able to pretend to be a Tolkien geek, but I am not. Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. <laughs> uh, I, I, Goldberry is Tom Bombadil's wife. What do you think of that? Fuck yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, that is my number two pick, and I believe it is Two Towers, and I... I couldn't tell you where one movie ends and the other begins. So. Wait, am I next? Because mine kind of goes with yours. Yeah, rock and roll. What do you got? Mine, mine is Gandalf. Oh, but because okay. well, go on. I know. Well, but you don't think that that's kind of mythical and cool and uh... it, it is, but it it's also it makes it lamer that none of them die. Like it makes it too easy. Boromir and... dies. Hello, have you not <laughs> have you not seen these movies, Kelly Wand? Yeah, no, that's an awesome death. But then, and, and by the way, yeah, that's, like, that's like, no, they can't die. Uh, well, that's like Dingus is saying. Like that's one where the sacrifice is seen through. Like that's because Lord of the Rings, Kelly Wand, that's no Disney princess story. Just so you know, it is. It's exactly what it is. But Boromir, wait a minute. Do either of you have uh, Lord of the Rings for your last choice? Uh, pass, but no. Why would we? No. There's not, there's not, because they, because there's, a, there's a more obvious choice. No, the Eagles were there the whole the time. The Eagles. I mean, the Eagles is the best Dingus, there's no Dingus, no military operation does not include plans for exfiltration. <laughs> exfiltration. I love that. That's a word. Exfil. But if Gandalf had been dead, the Eagles probably wouldn't have shown up. So in a way, I'm right, because it's at the top of the cliff of the straw man. <laughs> Dingus, why didn't the eagles just fly the ring to Mount Mor Mount Doom? Dingus, why didn't they fax the volcano to his <laughs> e-pad? Because the Nazgul's had wireless protectors, and they would have blocked all of those. <laughs> why is there fake another ring? But so, which which movie are you talking about, Kelly? Where Kelly, where Gandalf is supposed to die? Whatever. I think in two. T I think it makes the story weak. Well, Tom's is. It, it's it's better because it's just completely pointless. Like you it's get... non-Tolkien. Mine is a non-Tolkien yeah. one. You, Kelly Wander, taking issue. I'm taking issue with, with Tolkien. James, with James Robert Rodriguez Tolkien himself. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's a fucking idiot. I am no only taking Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh on. You are tussling. Here's what. Here's the part that bugs me the most about it is you find out off screen that Merry and Pippin saw him. 
earlier, and they're like totally cavalier about it. Like, oh yeah, Gandalf is here, by the way. I guess he lived. Anyway, so Treebeard, getting back to this thing. Hey, yeah, man, we got to get to the fucking thing. There's something you got. Well, that's just character development for Merry and Pippin. They don't care. They're more worried about their pipe weed and and mead. Then the wizard who, come on. But if the wizard even says, like, wait, whoa, 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 what do you mean you smote the mountainside? More details. Come on. First that of guy was like a thousand times taller than you. He's, I not a, he's not a wizard. Do they call him that? They don't call him a wizard, do they? He's a wizard. Are you serious? Yeah. He's a Maiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he's a magic user. I prefer to call him a magic user if you don't mind. Now, according to uh, Claw Law Edition 3.4, uh, <laughs> he's an illusionist, not a comedian. So, Dingus, you feel that the eagle thing is a is a bigger instance of hero survival ripoff. Again, sort of going through with your theme of the noble sacrifice should be seen through to the end as a sacrifice. But by then Absolutely. they've done it a million times. Eagles saved. They've by now the eagles have shown up so many times. Like, oh yeah, the eagles. Well, but but on a, in in terms of like the overall theme, Kelly Wand. I mean, I get what Dingus is saying. Like, if you're going to have a movie or a story about the importance of sacrifice, of subsuming your self interest to something bigger. You know what? See it through to the end. And I, I, I see Dingus's point, but I'm not going to take issue with what James Robert Rodriguez Tolkien has written. I'm going to honor his material and instead just uh, kvetch about the goofy little Aragorn thing added in the movies. Gandalf never does anything cool when he comes back. The he last fights, cool- he fights Christopher Lee. That uh, that rumble in the the in Orthanc. That's before that. Uh, pass. You dumbass. You don't even... <laughs> Did you even read the books? <laughs> That's the thing that bugs me, too. It's like, remember when uh, Luke, the great George Lucas, feel free to put Yakety Sack on, said that uh, Obi-Wan originally got killed off. Or no, he originally lived, but then there was nothing for him to do. He was just standing around at Yavin, like, staring at the monitors. <laughs> Well, if we kill him, we get a few, we get a couple more things out of this than just old, you know, we can get rid of him for the day. He's been fucking whining about sand up his crotch for weeks and the shoes. Just get rid of him. All right, Alec, that's a wrap. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Good luck with that. Enjoy your murder by death shoot next week. But, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. But something about Gandalf. Well, no, yeah, it was just he never, there's never anything after. His re- his return that we really needed him for. Doesn't he fly around and fight Nazgul's at the battle for Minas Tirith? He snakes Theoden's horse and rides around on it. Snakes Theoden's horse. Doesn't he save uh, Mary from the funeral pyre of Theoden? Not Theoden. Um, Denethor. Denethor. Thanks. Aha, uh-huh, Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but who gives a shit? Fuck Mary. Now we know where you stood. I think could have done that. Uh, Well, Dingus, is that your number one then? No, no, that was my A or B from The Abyss. Well, then what's your number one choice for a hero survival ripoff? All right, my number one choice does uh, carry a a quote along with it. Ooh, I look forward to this. What do you got for us? All right, here we go. Do the accent right, by the way, this time. All right, I'll try to. Don't ever ask me to bury you again, Joey. What? Sounds like he's trying to do Goodfellas or something. What was Don't that? Don't ever ask me to bury you again, Joey. <laughs> Kelly Wan's reading is way better. Uh, so I'm going to. That's say- my Albert Brooks. So it's obviously from Lost in America or. So uh, Tom, you're saying that Kelly Wand is the Vera Farmiga of this podcast. Hmm. 
That oh, makes uh, Tom the Snorfin. No, that is a really good one. Man, I'm going to have to change my list again. But you know what? No, there's a thematic unity there, I'm sure. I just can't think of it now. <laughs> Nerd alert. Oh, that's a really good one. That thematic guy. unity. Dingus. Fine, go ahead and explain. I don't know what it is. Well, because you haven't be seen the movie, despite us telling you a million times to see it. Human Centipede 2? It starts Paul Walker. I'll just say that. Much. Oh, God. And it's not it's not eight below. That's another hint. It's the running scared without Gregory Hines. All right, Dingus, explain this. What's the hero survival rip? I, you know what? I'm sure. I, I'm sure it's it, no. It, it's got to be affected. Go ahead, Dingus. Explain this. <laughs> what? I love hearing you tie yourself in knots about this because I do too. Because you know, I I so want him to survive, but he so clearly shouldn't. And you know, it's this great. Fairy tale, Don't running scared is a great fairy tale, and I'm not going to spoil the movie, but I already have. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't want to talk so too much running, about it. It's just running it's scared, just, directed by South African director Wayne Kramer, starring Paul Walker, Vera Farmiga, Carl Rodan, Cameron Bright. Uh, who else is in it, Dingus? Who have we missed? Oh, uh, Elizabeth Mitchell and the guy who plays her husband. Um, Alan Alda plays the guy who gets the tower heisted. Oh, the guy who plays Denethor is the villain, by the way, in Running Scared. Oh. Um, speaking of Denethor. But he's not Running Scared. It's so a lame title, but not just because it's been taken by Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal. They don't run scared in the other Running Scared, either. They're not, Billy Crystal's not scared. He's not scared. He's just kind of, like, frantic. And uh, there's a lot of running, but it's not that he's scared. He's just he's just so driven. Um that gummit thing is that's a good pick. Uh, all right, and it is a hero survival ripoff, so let's move on. I accept your. I accept your. Uh, I guess I'll watch it then. You should. I'll all, right. all right, let's go on. What do you guys think of this one? Uh, this isn't really the hero. He's kind of the hero. He's one of the heroes. Like he's a. He's a sort of a, a co-protagonist, you might say. Um, a co-protagonist. A co-protagonist, exactly. Uh, the co-protagonist of Steven Spielberg's War of the War. Wow, two of mine are Spielberg movies. Uh, Aha. Shut up. Uh, Tom Cruise's son living at the end of War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. Now, that's, that's so dumb. And yeah. it sucks for, I mean, it sucks just on, in terms of like the story and it's implausible. You see him run into the fire where the tripods are getting blown up by the military. But here's why I particularly take issue with it. And here's why I think it's particularly odious in this movie. Uh, I'm a huge apologist for the Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds, just as far as the spectacle, as far as how it unfolds, how little information you, you have about what's going on, how the whole movie is kind of wedded to Tom Cruise's perspective on events you don't get a lot of huge you, you get like one cheating shot but everything else you only see because it's what tom cruise's character has seen um and a lot of what makes the movie work and i want to credit uh mine and dingus's friend aaron kane for pointing this out uh the Steven Spielberg who made War of the Worlds is very clearly also the Steven Spielberg who made Schindler's List, in that it's a movie about what a refugee population has to go through, what a displaced people experiences, what that's like from a personal perspective. And even though War of the Worlds is a big, goofy sort of sci-fi thing. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that. It's not, though. It's not. Even though War of the Worlds is a big sci-fi movie, I think it is, it, it, it's, it's clearly in touch with this idea of a displaced population panicking and, and being routed and rounded up and, and the terror of that. Uh, so 
when one of the characters has to experience the feeling of loss that is such a part of that terror, that is such a part of what makes that movie effective, the fact that that loss is conveniently removed at the end of the movie really undercuts a lot of what I think the movie should have achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just on, on you know, because I like the movie so much and because I think it's such a fundamental betrayal of what the movie is trying to accomplish, I hate the fact that Tom Cruise's son survives at the end of War of the Worlds. It's bad enough that Boston looks completely untouched. See, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the idea that the tripods didn't hit every single city. Uh, Boston? That... Come on. They'd leave that one alone? Yeah, what's in Boston? What do they care? Well, it's the whole, what, New Jersey's fucking demolished, but Boston gets a free It's pass. on the way to New York. You don't know where things are. One of them is a lot closer to New York than the other. I know that much. That's true. <laughs> and I lived in Boston. There's nothing there. What do the aliens want in Boston? Your Harvard waiter jacket. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That should be the target of any alien invasion. That's uh, a good one, Tom. I like that. It is I'm a great one. I thought it's, you guys would take issue with it because he's not the hero of the movie. But I remember I felt the same way. You'd like, what the fuck? Really? You're going to end me with that, mother? And you know, here's the thing. But uh, he's becoming a hero. I mean, he's making... He's, we don't get to see it. No, but but he's making a sacrifice. He's deciding right. to become a hero. And right. and it's like the movie just decides, eh, it's nice that you did that, but we're going to take anything that you did and nullify it. Uh, I remember... So I, I get... Like, I don't cry or anything, but I get wrapped up in movies. When I'm watching a movie, I get really involved. And I remember seeing War of the Worlds with my girlfriend at the time who made fun of me I wasn't crying, but maybe I was affected. Maybe I was like, I looked straight. You had a heart on. She made fun of me for my response to the scene where Tom Cruise's son runs over the hill and says, I got to see this. Let me go. Because that's an intense scene. And I really think Tom Cruise, by the way, is a good actor. He sells that stuff so well. Dakota Fanning is so phenomenal in that movie. She sells that terror so well. So I really respond to the scene where Tom Cruise loses his son and it, and I remember being made fun of by my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and so I therefore feel cheap. And like, I feel like even more of, a, of an idiot when it turns out it didn't even really happen. Like, you know, you, know, you cried is, for nothing. And I didn't, I'm not you saying lost I, and, I probably just looked stricken is all I'm saying. So did you guys break up over that? She's the one who loved Spanglish for whatever that's worth. Oh, but she makes fun of you for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be my first uh, <laughs> counter to Spanglish. Like, wait, you mocked me for being bummed because Tom Cruise loses his kid. And you went home and watched your VHS tape of Spanglish for the 20th time. Yeah. I still respect you. Or what's he, Tia Leone say when she's, like, jogging past? God, that fucking movie. God. And you reviewed it. For Kelly Wan's review of Spanglish, go to sprockethold.com. It's all right. That was the fun part of Spanglish. So, but, uh, yeah, I hate that ending of War of the Worlds. Well, good. I thought you guys would take issue with me. I'm glad that you approve. Uh, even though uh, Dingus' number one is, uh, I'm jealous. I think. Oh. So, Kelly, am I going to be envious of your number one choice for the biggest hero survival ripoff of all time in moviedom? No, but you'll go. Oh yeah, that because it's one we talked about on podcast. <laughs> Um, and we all got our balls busted for it. Does that is that uh, right? Toy Story three? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was being facetious. So no. the fact that the toys survive at the end of Toy Story three—that that's how they survive. Oh look, the hook. Ah, see, they're in the hook. Ah. Wait, how'd they get to the fucking chair and know the thing? Uh, Kelly, one Toy Story three though is a Disney princess movie. 
I noticed there's a lot of them on these lists. There's a lot of kids' movies. So kids' movies apparently seem to thrive in, okay, uh, everyone's fucked. No, it'll all work out. Don't worry. The hand of God will come down and pluck you out of the Velociraptor's jaws at the last second. Or in Dingus's case, uh, flick the bones of the dinosaur onto you. <laughs> Uh, all right, what runners-up do you guys have? Am I wrong on Toy Story 3? No, not at all. Uh, it's so boring to bring up that you didn't. it's not even worth talking about. No, no, I, Toy Story, that was one of the many things I was disappointed in. You know what? I say disappointed. There were more. There were things I was more disappointed in in Toy Story 3, but you can't kill the toys, by the way. It's like a, a Disney princess movie. Like, the decision, it's about how they got there, and, and uh, yeah, you can't kill they the toys. They got lucky, though, didn't they? That's a lucky break. Well, it just goes to show you that you should be nice to little squeaky toys. Like that. No setup for the story three. They just happen to uh, knockings. They just happen to be in the. How come they're not on the conveyor belt? Actually, because they're operating the crane. All right, runners up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't talk about that. No, Uh, I I like that. That that is one of my runners up, but it it does fall sort of more into the Deus Ex Machina instead of Hero because because it's not they're not. Again, this is just something that I did. The noble sacrifice thing. They're just trying to escape, and so what helps them escape is that the aliens uh, find their. I thought one of your three was going to be Mr. Spock, and we were going to laugh at you for using a Star Trek. No, no, we don't have really a Star Trek fan on this podcast, do we? Dingus, we're going to need you to go to bat for Star Trek from now on. Can you do that? Because when he said sacrifice, I went, oh, like Mr. Spock sacrificed for... Oh, the, the Mr. Spock one is the, is fairly interesting, though, Kelly. I like that. You mean from, it's a, from the recent Star Wars, or Star Trek? No, 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 no but but it branches, but it it, uh, it bridges two movies. I mean, so it's it's almost an uber... Uh, ripoff because you it's know, a movie we, length Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> it is. It's it's okay. We got the whole right. catharsis. Oh, we lost the character, and then we wait a couple years and see this movie. And oh, what? So yeah, that speech hello. Kirk was crying over that was really touching and sad in the second one. Don't worry about it. Just like Tom, <laughs> this is the most thing over the human. human. <laughs> like that's a compliment to the Vulcans. Dude, you're the most like us. What about uh, Henry Cavill escaping the British petroleum tsunami in, in Immortals? That's... He wasn't in danger, because water and fire don't mix, we learned earlier in the movie. Wait, but that, was, that was my only runner-up, actually. I what had else? Da Vinci Code, because remember in Da Vinci Code, uh, the cops are waiting for him, and they're on a plane or something, and then... You hear Amy Kelly go, no, everything is what it appears. And then they flat, they do what the Flash Gordon douchebags did. And, like, they show you hiding, like, on a trestle or inside a limo or something. First of all, Kelly Wand, you saw Da Vinci Code? Yeah, and it was <laughs> Yeah. Cause, and I hadn't read the book, so to me, I was like, oh, I wonder what the big deal is. Second of all, Kelly Wand, you read <laughs> you Da Vinci Code? Huh? You read the Da Vinci Code no. as well as saw the movie? I, I didn't read it. Don't Fuck. lie. You what? Just, you just admitted it. you did. You said, and I read the book. No, I said, I go back and play it over. I said, I didn't read the book. All right. All right uh, can I get a read back of that? Uh, I read the Da Vinci Code and... Yep, there you go. That's that's what the tape says, Kelly Wand. All right. Dan Brown, apologist here. Nice work. Uh, other runners up. John Grisham. 
Anything else for runners-up? What do you guys got besides uh, these? On Solo and the special edition of uh, Star Wars when Greedo misses him. Mm, good one, Kelly Wand. Dingus thoughts? <laughs> None whatsoever. Those are the exact thoughts I right. should have in response to that. It yes. was him stra- trying to strangle me with force strangle over the pod- over the headphones. He's disappointed in your lack of faith. Or no, he's disturbed. He finds it dis- no. He finds my lack of faith disturbing. Disturbing, right, right. Not disappointing. Yeah. It's disappointing to you, Dingus, not to this battle station. <laughs> Kelly Wan, I'm disappointed in your lack of faith. <laughs> All right, I have two uh, runners up. All right, what do you got, Dingus? Clumsy is stupid. Uh, well, yeah, not even close. <laughs> I'm both as both. All right, so one is is from a movie called Diner, um, and what? it's Mickey Rourke, oddly enough. What? Uh, Mickey Rourke has gotten himself into some deep shit uh, in gambling debts, and uh, he should get the crap beat out of him, and he should be killed because he's not paying it back, and that's where the movie is going. And then uh, he, this dude who is somehow his father's friend just decides to pay off all of his debts and get him to come work for him. Awesome. So, so he's not really a hero in the conventional sense, but he gets he gets saved. And you, and you kind of feel like, uh, that's great, he was saved, but why? Uh, so there's that, and then the other one is where I would take issue with Tom's assertion about Indiana Jones, is that at the end of uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, uh, where is it ever given the idea that if you close your eyes, you're going to be saved? In pulp, serial pulp fiction land? <laughs> So I think that's that's pretty goofy. I don't have any problem with it because of the nature of the movie, but it is kind of a ripoff that all of the Nazis get their faces burned off, and these two people just go, "Hey, let's close our eyes. We'll be fine." All right. Does it say that in Leviticus somewhere? And thou shalt close thy eyes if thou wishes to surviveth. Well, there is sort of a, there is um, there is sort of support for it. When I think Daniel, when the, when the when the ark is being moved out and 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 somebody looks at it and it falls over and they get killed, but it's not really supported in the movie. The eye closing. Yeah, you're allowed to listen to it, according so to the, the rules. <laughs> there's no real reason. How do you know when it's over? <laughs> why they're why they're uh, why they're protected and nobody else is other than they're not Nazis and they close their. Eyes. Well, the ropes seem to have burned themselves up, so I think we can open them now. <laughs> All right. So, uh, had, uh, yeah, Super- what do you got, Kelly Wand? Yep. Which Super- one? Returns. Superman Returns. Superman Returns. <laughs> Superman Returns. Same fucking thing. Same fucking thing. E.T. Oh, dead. Oh, cured kryptonite. No, bed's empty. He's fine. Why? Eh, whatever. Uh, I have two words for you on that one, Kelly Wand. Comic books. Henry Say. Cavill. Comic books. No, comic books. Actually, that's true, because in comics, they get killed off, and then they turn out to be clones or something. There you go. Not really. <laughs> uh, let's do another 3x3 three three next week. Yay! More. Dingus, what do you got for us that is not three uh, hero survival ripoffs? All right, this is the opposite. This uh, mm-hmm. it actually isn't the opposite. It's just um, not as masculine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's your favorite dancing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. What is he doing? Really? Oh. Come on. Right. So I like I like little mo- little moments in movies where where dancing it, it doesn't play 
play like a plot point, like in Ocean's 12, where there's like the heist dance that goes on. But, but there's something that goes on that tells you something about the characters or plays into a scene. And it might even be in the background of the scene where, where dancing happens. So, so, so did you just yeah. take off the table Vincent Casal break dancing around lasers? Uh, apparently I did. All right. Well, I think that was going to be my number one. All right. Well, you're gonna have to choose something else. So your <laughs> your favorite uh, dance moments, I guess, is the way to put it. I, I don't have anything as cool as rip offs. There's the no strip- dance rip offs here. The strippers count. <laughs> I want, that's a good one. That's a, actually that's a that's a legitimate question, Kelly Wan, that I think you're gonna have to struggle with. Dingus, do you have an answer for him? Uh, I'm so shocked that he asked a legitimate question that I, I don't want to answer it. I mean, that's my reaction. I'm shocked that you won't answer my question. And I'm I mean, shocked that Tom's shocked. Tom, got, so, Kelly, like Tom said, you have to wrestle with that. Uh, strippers never count in terms of uh, infidelity. I know that. And I know blowjobs don't count from the presidency. Well, uh, you just made me think of my favorite stripper in a movie. Well, 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 I will uh, save, save it for the podcast. S-T-T. So how do you, is, is Tomei E-I or I-E? How do you spell? Oh, Tom, you jerk. Oh, <laughs> Uh, all right, so join us next week for that. Our favorite uh, stripper routines. And oh, a movie. Wait, wait, was that way? Oh, or dancing. So stripper routines or dancing. Our favorite That's instance. For you. Uh, Dingus, I need your help. Uh, what's the movie we're seeing next week? Because I don't think I can rattle off this title, and I, I hope you've had some practice. Tell the listeners what movie we'll be seeing next week, because I don't, I don't think. Ke- I know Kelly Wan's not up to it, and I don't think I can do it. All right, next week we are seeing Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Uh, man, that's good. Dingus, have you been practicing that? Uh, once, once you see the movie, you don't have to practice good. it. Good. All right. Well, and then we will be doing our three-by-three three of uh, our favorite, what, dance routine? Or just dancing. Just dancing, right, Dingus? Is just, that- yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be routine. Just your favorite instance of dancing in a movie. What inspired this? Yeah, what did, what did inspire this? Can you tell us, or will it give away something on your list? Uh, it will give away something on my list. Okay, well then tune in next week and we'll find out what inspired Dingus to want to talk about dancing. If you don't give a shit now, <laughs> wait a little uh, now. We'll also be talking about a movie called uh, Dingus. Get in here. What is it again? Mary Martha? Magdalene, Marcella, uh, Jingleheimer. Uh, you're, Kelly Wand, your name is not Dingus. Uh, Dingus, what's the name of the movie? Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Very good. We'll be seeing that and we'll be talking about our favorite instances of, of dancing. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian M- Moob. Mwarski. It's Christian Moroski John War. <laughs> and <laughs> Kelly Wand. The artist formerly known as Jaguar. Title switch, my friends and neighbors, an enemy yours.